Hello everybody and welcome to the season finale of season five. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> Shit. I'm still your host, as always, Jack Chambers. And joining me, my fellow sequelizers, as indicated by their sequelizers t-shirts that they're wearing right now. <laughs> Mr. Math- <laughs> Matthew Stogden, giggling in the corner. Draw. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> So earlier, <laughs> I said to these guys, I've got two choices for my introductory thing. And that was one of them. Just a very quiet draw. Because mm. um, this is one of my favorite bits of Escape from LA. But I immediately regretted it the second I did it. Yep. And of course, Mr. Timothy Mayton. Call me steak. I mean, call me snake. <laughs> <laughs> Are you steak, please? <laughs> <laughs> is that a, like a welcome, welcome to my uh, crispy. welcome to my John Carpenter themed restaurant? Oh, <laughs> that's what we need. That's what we need. Maps to the menu, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, menus to the stars, Eddie. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Good lord! Because uh, just to kick things off, I'd never seen either Escape from films before we brought this up for this season, and. I knew the character mostly through Metal Gear Solid references. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's the guy that's kind of like a solid snake. And Hideo Kojima fucking loves these films for mm-hmm. some reason. I was like, I wonder why. First one, really good. This was fantastic. Hasn't aged well in some way. Some weird sound choices and some editing choices and stuff that haven't... Because it's 1981. Uh, it's very much of its time is yeah. the key thing here. And also, it's very early in Carpenter's career. Very, very ambitious for what he was doing mm. at the time. But yeah, no, it's it's very. If, well, I don't 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 even right to say it's eighties because it's very late seventies as well. But it, it feels, feels very 80s. late seventies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's an amazing achievement uh, as far as film is concerned, and and, and almost like independent film mm. rather than a studio film. Um, effortlessly fucking cool. And so Kurt Russell is the coolest man in the world. Love Kurt Russell. And just the, the, the five o'clock shadow, the fucking eye patch, the hair, man. Well, the well hair. Disney knew it. Disney knew it. His died. his last words were Kurt Russell. What? Well, did you not notice? What? Kurt Russell's uh, uh, Walt Disney's what? alleged last words before he died were Kurt Russell. <laughs> was it like who should take over the corporation now, Walt? <laughs> no, Kurt it's it's, it's, it again. it's even better. It's like a it's like a rosebud thing. No yeah. one quite knows why he said Kurt what Russell. What the he, fuck? He had, a, he had a sled called Kurt Russell and chucked <laughs> in a. <fire. laughs> No, seriously, apparently really he did say Kurt Russell. Why? Because he believed Kurt Russell was the future of the industry. What the fuck? Because he was like a... Another, like, uh, when did, when did Walt Disney die? Because I have no 60s. concept of this. 40 years ago today. <laughs> That's a bit of a fog. Why, Tim, it's, it's the anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> On this very night. Exactly. <laughs> no, he... Uh, I think it was like uh, early 60s, probably. Because um, I think the last one he was around for was Jungle Book. How old was Kurt Russell in the 60s? Like a kid. He was Kurt like... Russell was a kid actor. Yeah, for Disney. Star of the computer what wore tennis the shoes. Yeah. The... What the fuck? Yeah. You melted my brain, right? I had no I idea. I had no shit. idea any Kurt, of this. Kurt, yeah. Ru- Kurt Russell was the Justin Timberlake of his day. What? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, they both had great hair. He was, the, like, he was noodle period for just so, JT. Yeah, very just a, a consummate professional. Turned up and did his job fantastically. And was, was six years old. <laughs> 
cool kid and then grew up to be or a swamp cool, Was he as cool as a kid? Uh, he's, he's just the coolest fucking five-year-old. I don't think so. Life. He looks like just little Kurt Russell. Draw! <laughs> he, still, he still had an eye patch, though. <laughs> and a five-year-old. <laughs> just randomly starts smoking cigarettes. <laughs> God, that kid's cool. <laughs> he sits down in Disney's office and uh, Disney's obviously smoking a cigarette so he's hiding he's not smoking for other people he's like um, uh, we're looking to uh, meet the president of Disney president of what? I just told the president of Disney <laughs> sorry I'm you have to save the president of I'm the Disney you... Corporation I'm new to being cool uh, Walt Disney died in 1966 when Kurt Russell would have been, been 15, 15 years old there yeah. you go bloody hell yeah so there's a big thing about Russell. And I, I have still no idea that he, was a he, thing. He, be- he began acting at the age of 12. Yeah. And in the late 60s, he signed a 10-year contract with Walt Disney. So there you go. I maintain Kurt Russell's the chosen huh. one. Yeah. And we're kind of in a Kurt Russell renaissance at the uh, moment. I always Russell- feel like he never went away, but I know what he means. Yeah. He kind of had a, he kind of had a period in the bet- between the kind of like mid-90s or le- late-90s. Executive the, decisions, yeah. Post post year exec decision, post year Stargate, uh, where he kind of faded from favour a bit. That's true. And then Dark Blue, I think he was in a, the, about the LA. He did it, yeah. Things. He did a bit more kind of serious, small, yeah, smaller small pieces. And then I feel like probably Death Proof. I would say Tarantino um, brought him back. <laughs> uh, and then we've had like the Santa Claus film that he's been mm-hmm. in, and. Uh, a bunch of other great stuff. Although, Marvel actually, saying that, in that kind of uh, period where he did go away a little bit, he also did Sky High, which is... Sky High's fucking great. Great. Uh, Bruce Campbell. Sidekick! <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. So, those of you, you probably are aware of the character, like I was, mm. through various parodies and social medias, posts, and you just see gifts of him being cool occasionally mm. i had real no concept of what the actual plot was well the handy thing for this is that if you've seen escape from new york be like hey i never got around to seeing escape from la <laughs> what's escape from la about and the answer is well if you've seen escape from new york you've seen escape from la yeah. be- but better because <laughs> yeah but better because it is it's more the, than it, any other film same. we've looked at it is the same film done again just on the different coast of the united states it's and it's kind of like if evil dead 2 was shit yeah because yeah. yeah, it's kind of, of the, it's not exactly the same mm. but it's basically the same mm. fucking yeah. thing it's like to to the point of having story beats of like oh um snake gets sent into this prison location in a interesting vehicle that he flies rec- that he he steers recklessly <laughs> lands it and then it gets wrecked when it lands like both that thing happens in both films yeah um that the, the oh, it's it, it's it's frustrating because i mean we talked about in tron legacy episode for example how tron tron legacy follow a very similar formula mm. and i did the whole bit of like let me describe a thing mm. to you mm. which one is it but this is so much more so it's literally it beat for beat yeah reheating yeah. it and it actually i found it quite hard uh, I'm the, I'm the one who who came up with the pitch for this one. Yeah, and when I first started man. when I first started approaching it, it kind of threw me for a loop because it's like, okay, well, what kind of story happens in this universe? And it's like, well, either the exact same story happens over and over again, or you have to kind of throw out Escape from LA and just and 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 kind of and obviously we are replacing the sequel in our mind, but sure. like 
you kind of t- can't take any inspiration from it because there's no inspiration there. True. It is a, it's You're like just a, taking inspiration from the first one. Yeah, it's like a black way. hole of ideas. <laughs> it's, it is genuinely problematic. It's the anti-sequel. Because <laughs> yeah. you've, you've got to a point where you, you can't really salvage anything because that's mm. just the first film again and it'd just be uh, accused Except of Except maybe like a very vague thing like... This one's set in LA. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you, you really, really you kind of it. F- yeah, fringe yeah, it and, entirely. and very basic stuff. But but in truth, there's there's not much, and and because the only thing we know about the Escape from franchise in inverted commas is that there was a first one with stuff we'll get to about a minute about a potential third one and a second one that's the same as the first. So anything you bring to this is going to be a case of like, mm, you could just does go, it really feel like an Escape from? I was like, well. No. There's no president. Yeah. Oh, so we do the same thing like. again, yeah. yeah. And yeah. do you do, like, again, the Tron situation, do we do more world building? Do you mm. do more building? Because I, I I, thought what um, Escape from LA did rather well was the world building. It's like, well, in a weird place where they can just cut off an entire island to dump people there, of course it gets more dystopian. Of course mm. it gets more ridiculous authoritarian. That that makes sense. Mm. Um, they went more uh, in a similar way to Star Trek five of all things inspiration from televangelists and things on on tv and i thought again the sort of televangelist um president is quite an interesting road to go down Mm. and it's like oh yeah he predicted something and therefore they gave him Mm. complete powers and he became is it sacklark i think it is in in v vendetta yeah pretty Um, much yeah yeah but it's it yeah i think there are some interesting features to this movie because i watched it when i was a kid and enjoyed it because I was stupid. <laughs> um, I watched it as a 29-year-old man <laughs> sat next to you two. Yep. And I did not enjoy it. No. And the thing is, watching it again with you guys, it was painfully, painfully obvious mm. that the, any redeeming qualities are so few and far between. I mean, the redeeming qualities are largely, hey, it's Kurt Russell being cool as fuck. Yeah. yeah. He's still cool as fuck in this. Mm. He, do- he walks out unscathed. Like, mm. Yeah, yeah. I remember you saying that during the commentary, yeah. and it was like, even the ending where he's just like, nah, fuck you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, he's cool. Just <laughs> looking straight at the camera. Welcome to the human race. Oh, <sighs> what a fucking and line. And then the zombie comes up like, like Yes, so good. <laughs> I wouldn't mind watching that again, except of course I wouldn't. <laughs> Can I watch hell. the last fifteen seconds again <laughs> and just ignore the other hour and a half? Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. Like, and I also don't hate some of the casting choices. Like, no, Bush, no, Buscemi, no, no. It, it makes sense. It kind of makes sense. He's not terrible in that mm-hmm. movie. Un- Uncle Ben, aka Cliff Robertson, yes. as the yeah. like great pres- president. evangelist yep. president. Yep. Yeah. Totally he's, works. Absolutely. Like he's wasted because there's points where he's just like standing around in the background doing nothing this is also very true um carry under a table and stuff yeah he's great casting but again given little to do stacy keach is great in this Mm. film i think as well um but then by his support as his majestic ponytail so sweet so weird seeing him with hair yeah, that's true. or with long hair. At yeah, least. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I do definitely agree with that. We, we talked about that on the commentary. Yeah. <laughs> a fair bit of Stacey's ponytail talk. Yeah. But this again, is our side podcast. Stacey um, Keach has got it going on. It's <laughs> hair <laughs> so long. I was always a Powers Booth man myself. Oh, interesting. I don't know if I actually. Hang on, let's let's do this very quickly. Powers Booth or Stacey Keach? Powers Booth. Name, uh, yeah, the I, name think I, alone. I think I would go Powers Booth as yeah, well. Definitely. But I'd love, I mean, I want the- I love me some Stacey Keach, though. I, I fucking love Keach. I'd uh, love to play like Detective Brothers or something. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, Mafia like Brothers. Estra- estranged Brothers. Yeah. Uh, one's uh, yeah, on the right yeah. side of the law, one's on the yeah. wrong side and of the Powers law. Powers Booth is a, is a head of a crime family, and Stacey Keach is an old, like, grizzled detective. Mm. And they find out they're oh, we related. Do, oh, we do a heat remake. Yes. 
Oh. Oh. <laughs> With two extremely old men. Yeah. Just kind of like what he was, but, you know, a little older. Yeah. Two really overweight old oh, you're not, white guys. You're not remaking The Heat with Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> you got old Stacey Keats just we're falling remaking, about all over the place. We're remaking Red Heat. <laughs> oh, with my the Lord. towel scene and everything. Oh, we're re- yes. we're remaking the band Hot Hot Heat. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Send in suggestions, ladies and gentlemen. What can we do with Booth and Keach? <laughs> Booth and Keach. Keach Booth. <laughs> um... But Michelle Forbes is also kind of in the same situation to Robertson, where she's like, she's fine. But I just went, hey, Ensign Rolaro from Star Trek. Great. She's here. And then she's just the sidekick to Stacey Keach, who's a bit angry. Yeah. And that's kind of it. But they kind of tases people. Mm-hmm. Sort of vaguely respects Snake, but doesn't really. Yeah. It's like... hard. There's not much there with her. So it's like, uh, annoying. Yeah. And, but again, uh, Quarvo Jones. The guy doing the performance is fine. It's mm. actually not bad, but it's not as iconic as fucking Isaac Hayes. Oh, no. And it's not as cool. It's it's like, why is it Che Guevara? Yeah. It's a real weird choice. Yeah. There, so I have a theory about... Because, because even if you just look at Escape from New York, it's such a weird kind of set up for the film because obviously it's mm. set is meant to be set in the deep future year of 1997 we've Termi- had that before with yeah, uh, Pred- Predator yeah. 2 and Terminator and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that um, the year is all future, kicking off 1990 something it's like oh good and it kind mm. of fills in a few of the gaps in between presumably like normally with a film that's set in the future you assume that the the present day is more or less as the present day is, is in our world and then there, uh, there is a point of diversion and thus you end up with this it's world. It's not an sure. alternate timeline, it's what could be. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. Yes. What happened if but, uh, blah, 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 won yeah. the war? Or small event yeah. happens yeah. and then, yeah. But my belief is that the point of diversion is much earlier in the world of Escape from New York because I don't think the atom bomb is ever invented. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Because, because we get mentioned that... Uh, Snake Plissken is a, like a veteran yes. of wars in Europe oh, and yeah. that China and Russia and America are having some kind of peace conference, which yeah, is yeah, where yeah. the president is coming back from. Yes. And that the thing that he is carrying with him is some kind of nuclear fusion secret. Yes. And I think it's like oh. atomic weapons have only just been invented. And so the Cold War has happened. In the 80s. But A, it's got a... It's, it's, without the bomb. Without the bomb, it became a lot hotter because there was no... Uh, you know, actual deterrent. Yeah, there was yeah, no yeah, deterrent. Yeah. There was yeah. no um, so what mutually you're saying assured is destruction. Nuclear bombs were a good thing. Um, not necessarily. There is a, a sociopolitical theory that mm-hmm. the war would have cost so many more lives if the bombs hadn't been dropped in Nagasaki. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, course, admittedly, yeah. Yeah. it's monstrous to say it. But yes. It's also like ooh, yeah, but at the same time, it is interesting because he's like, without the deterrent, people literally say, "Well, you can't." attack me because I'll bomb mm. you. It's like, well, I'll bomb you. And then there's a stalemate. That arguably saves lives. Yeah. Or you could just, you know, fucking knuckle up and be an adult, you dumb fucking twats. <laughs> anyway, that's my political rant. Um, just, you know, don't be children. <laughs> but, but the point is that um, <laughs> that's a very interesting concept because I think you've got, you're definitely on something there mm. because again, a war in Europe in the in 1997, and Pliskin is what in his 30s at that point, or yeah. supposedly close to. So technically, that would have been a war in the late 80s in Europe. Yeah, it's not like Vietnam era. No. It's not Gulf era. It's like that's f- literally fictional. Well, he war. was in his yeah. 40s in the 
actual Kurt Russell is in yeah, his forties. Yeah. So I guess you could argue yeah, it could be a yeah. Nam thing, maybe. Mm. Unless it's relatable for the, the you know the, the yeah. audience. Mm. But even then, weirdly uh, enough, I had made that connection myself. I had not gone as far and thought about the nuclear bomb side of mm. things, but I totally just assumed like, oh, this is a totally different timeline. Yes, yeah. yeah. there's this war, like you said. They they mentioned the like political landscape of the treaty mm. with China and Russia and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. It's it's quote unquote the future from twenty years ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> the, 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 it's once you pass that point and you become the future, effectively, it's all the past. Therefore, it's all ridiculous. And it's, it's, it's weird, all like divergent. It's all dystopian. Yeah, all the time. Whether yeah. it's the eighties, nineties, or yeah. whatever the fuck, it's like this. This is a present day dystopia. Or a near future dystopia? Like, sure, um, okay, this is... This. Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the 2019 of Blade Runner. Mm. Yes, very that, much so, yeah. It has always been a, a, an alternate universe for us, in a way, because it's like, from the 80s, it's like, well, I guess in 30, 40 years, it might be like that. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, no. And I, I also think that the future imagined in Escape from New York could kind of own, like, the, the future that it conceives could only have been conceived at that very specific point in time when Escape from New York gets made yes. because I think yes. it has to um, it's a very pre Reagan view of the future of America mm. where you've got like Jimmy Carter in office and there's all these power cuts happening and mm. this feeling that society is kind of crumbling but before you get Reagan in who is kind of points at Russia yeah and, and like <laughs> deregulating de everything and yes yes pushing the way for like corporations to take over because there's there's none of that sense of um th like the blade runners and things yes. that, where you get the sense of like a dystopia and oh like corporations run everything now you yeah. don't get any of that in escape the from robocop York. it's it's mm. almost a totalitarian state mm. but more just kind of like oh yeah the people have just kind of descended into anarchy um, it's very much the problems are within not from without mm. so for example if you take something like uh red dawn mm. versus um uh versus this mm. it, it's not that the foreign aggressor is coming for you yeah and the, the fear of the other mm. it's the fear of your neighbor the fear of americans which and is such a strange thing for americans to ever well that's like ever worry about because they do obviously in all sorts of forms mm. but in this specific form that your government will shut off an entire island and mm. make it a prison if you disobey us like that's a very interesting dystopia <laughs> that we don't often see in American movies. Mm. You see it in European fiction all the fucking time because mm. European history has been a small part of this place is going to go mental for a little yeah. while, <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to go. We're just going to be, I and mean, then we're going like, to. Texas has tried to secede, and like, there's been a there's been a civil war in America. But the problem with America is. They haven't been around very long. No. In the grand scheme of things, we've got a lot more fucking history than they have. Yeah, we've got a lot of shame. There's a, yeah, there's a lot more shameful, horrific, Fuck up. disgusting things mm. <laughs> the history of Europe has done than the history of America. Yeah. Well, they're catching up pretty quick. They're putting <laughs> they've, the effort they've, into... They've got a, a high shame concentration. <laughs> oh. Interesting Ooh. wording. <laughs> concentration is an interesting choice there, too. Um, sure. Yeah, I think it's... And and it's also it's like those very specific fears that again Carpenter had tackled before in mm. um, things like Assault on Precinct Thirteen, mm. where you've got that idea of like late seventies, early eighties New York as just this like wasteland of kind yeah. of gang Drugs activity and, gangs and crime and, and yeah, and all that. Just being, like it is know. in Saturday Night Fever, right, guys? <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's of. the same. It's the same kind of thing that gave birth to the Ninja Turtles and stuff yeah. like that. Where you're just like, yeah, the city, I no one them. goes there because it's terrible. Mm. Uh, whereas the classic example and something we talked about and compared the escape kind of vibe to is the Warriors as mm. well. Yes, yes. that's like to me that's the definitive. New York has gone to yeah. shit and the gangs take over kind of thing. Yeah, and it's similar era and it very much feels in that similar kind of yeah this is a present day dystopia kind mm-hmm. of thing like because the warriors isn't set like in the future it is present day to then isn't it i think I'm pretty sure it is yeah nothing really establishes it otherwise yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's alternate it's, it's parallel yeah, at the end of the day a, it, there's a lot of, i think there's uh, an extended cut where it does establish that it's in the future is that the director's cut with the comic elements yes. that i don't care for yeah when they bring in a lot more of the greek myth uh, oh, overlay that, I think so, that yeah. the original, like the original, yeah. was based on yeah. stuff. Mm. But anyway, anyway, we should probably talk about the first film as a, just it's just a bit mm. more in depth about the thing. So, Escape from New York, mm-hmm. again, a very much I don't know if you think it's a cult film because it was a success at the time in the way that Carpenter films are mm. generally a sort of success. Um, the fact that you said sort of makes it a cult film. <laughs> okay, fuck it, yeah. a cult film. Mm. Um, it has no footprint culturally now outside of those who love the thing so yeah you've got the impact it's had on things like uh the Hideo Kojima stuff mm. and that's the idea of like saying oh I didn't realize it was part of this thing it's, it's not mm. like everyone goes well obviously yeah, it's because it's Han Solo isn't mm. it that kind of thing it's not people aren't like still like, it's the very much in the same way as like the crow for example people who love this shit love this shit um uh, I, I remember the 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 I think there's a couple of Escape from New York, or Escape from Comics. I want to say there are, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's now crossing over with the um, uh, Escape from yeah, they're not Escape from Big Little Trouble China. In China. Thank you, <laughs> Big Trouble in New York, Escape, <laughs> and Escape from that's Little very China. Very odd. Yeah, it's a Jack Button no, Snake yeah, Plissken yeah. crossover mm. thing. That's yeah. God, that's that's happening in the that's comics. A, that's, well, that's has happened already in the comics. That's some uh, that's some Russell range right there. Yeah, <laughs> some Russell wanking. I mean, in a good way. We're okay with that. Yeah. Um. But yes, it, it's the idea that it has an in, impact in some form on some individuals, mm. but you have to be almost quietly initiated into it because no one's going to accidentally see it on TV now because that's not no, really a thing. I think, I think, I think it, there was a time when it was probably a lot more of an iconic film yeah. in that kind of VHS era. True. Whereas now it is very much a thing of like, no, you have to seek out, you yeah. have to have someone go like, Oh, you've never seen it? We're sitting down and we're watching this now. Exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, I remember there's an interview when Only God Forgives comes out. Sorry, came out, I should say. And Nicholas Windu Ruffin was just just out of his face, tired on various press junket stuff mm. and all that sort of circuit things. And jet lag in general. And I can't remember which paper or whoever the hell was interviewing him. And he just sort of kind of got fed up of talking about his film. Mm especially considering the film was not being received well because, mm. in my opinion, it a bad film. <laughs> um, and it wasn't as good a drive. And drive's mm. fine. Um, but then he went on a bit of a weird rant and he just sort of sat there and stared at the ceiling and said, God, Escape from New York is like the perfect film. <laughs> it's so good. You could never make it now, but it's just the best film. Well, weirdly, actually, Drive is kind of sort of like a contemporary version of it that's because because one of the things that's interesting about and and we've mentioned like oh isaac hayes is great as Mm -hmm. as uh i forget is he just called the big boss the duke of new york duke of new york York, and number one um like 
he's great in it, but they're like Snake is the only iconic character that comes out of it. Definitely. And I think that's part of the reason why it hasn't become quite the same cult level because there's a, there's just that one great character. One cool motherfucker. Exactly. And the rest are great performances by Bobo mm. and uh, Harry Dean Stanton and stuff. Mm. But they all kind of fall away. Yeah. 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 They're all there to support that one central figure. And mm. I think it's mm. kind of the same in Drive where you have one awesome looking motherfucker. Yep. Like great jacket, iconic design kind of stuff. Mm. And, and skilled as shit. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the film is kind of there to support him. Yes. And, the, you know, you don't see any... You saw, you saw everybody dressing up as... The driver from Drive. <laughs> no one was dressing up as Brian Cranston from Drive. People forget how many people are in that movie. Yeah. You, like, you forget Oscar Isaac is in it. Oscar Everyone Isaac, forgets yeah. Oscar Isaac. Chrissy Hendricks and Oscar yeah. Isaac are like, holy shit. Mm. It's like, no, they're, yeah, they're like formative parts of the film. Yeah. And it's like, who's the female lead in the film? It's like, oh, it's, fuck, it's, uh, what's her name? Oh, and it's like, yeah, Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's like, but the point is that people forget because all they see is the epitome of cool because that's how the film arguably mm. portrays it and let's face it that's what yeah. they want you to see um, uh, I'm going to make a classic bashing Edgar Wright moment here unlike Baby Driver mm. I don't care for either um, which has an excess of characters and they're all quite memorable mm. usually for the worst reasons <laughs> um, but moving on are, moving you ready, on are you ready for another controversial Jack film opinion oh fuck I don't like Drive that's not that controversial. People no. fucking love Drive. Oh, people, people, people have yeah, they lynched me in the streets for that. Mm. Yeah, I've been burned on the stake for that. You would have got <laughs> more of a slap with it when it close when it came out, I think. Yeah. which is when I was saying that originally. Ah. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. I I thought it was a nice, refreshing uh, take at the time. I still think it's quite a solid film. I really enjoy what it did. What people it does. fucking love that, but maybe. people do love it a little too mm, much. Yeah. I mean, I I think I gave it like a three or four out of five at the time. I thought, yeah, it's a really solid film. It's really well directed and very. I would well say performed. it's a three. But I'm fine with that. People, people are screaming, like, but it's the best film of the year. This like, is oh. the best film mm. in decades. I, and I was like, fuck off. I, yeah. I kicked up a little bit of controversy on Twitter a couple oh, of months back, oh. where I was like. Are we still pretending that the Drive soundtrack was like non-stop bangers? Because like it's got a couple of good songs on it, and the rest of it's just like. Thank you, Tim. It's fine. That hero song that I always confuse with. I need a hero. <laughs> That's the the song from Drive. Mm. Couldn't name another song. There's some pumping synth stuff which is done mm. better the in synths, Tron Legacy. The synth stuff I I, I like <clears throat> a lot, but I don't remember any of the songs. Nope. Yeah. At all. It's no new, 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 new. Is it though? There's no Daft Punk though, is it? No. Let's be real. <laughs> anyway, we should drag ourselves back to, to Escape from New York. Oh, yeah. We're talking about Escape yeah. from LA. Yeah. So the film Escape from New York arguably impresses people. Mm. Even now, because it is a, an 80s product mm. set in the 90s or a vision of the 90s, mm. but it's still got a pace and a tempo and attention to the whole thing. And it moves brilliantly along you go with this guy from the very get-go you are launched into the whole thing mm. and it's it's fucking great it Lee does, Van Cleef is amazing in as it. as like weird and um slightly confusing and I think like ge generally kind of meant to be this kind of like wait fucking all of New York is a prison how the fuck does that happen? yeah <laughs> like, the logic of it is as, like what as much as it is like that I think it immerses you in the world really really well and once you are in that world with following Snake around. Yeah. It's so good. And it also is kind of, you know, we talk a lot, We whenever we talk about Die Hard, we talk about how 
Die Hard was this like antidote to the stereotypical 80s action like muscle bound yeah, yeah. thing and Escape from New York is that before that has really become a thing yeah like it it, it it's this like almost like a, an alternate future like if, if it had been slightly more successful we could have had the diehards a decade earlier because yeah, it's, yeah, it yeah, is yeah. that like gotta sneak around I'm surrounded by enemies everywhere I look uh, and, one man army kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, definitely. Pretty westerns, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 that got that weird western influence, like yeah. you say. Yeah, it's a fascinating film. Like Carpenter's always been ahead of done that stuff so well. Yeah, yeah. His, his Halloween was ahead of what it was supposed to be. The mm. thing was ahead. Mm. Most of these things have been underappreciated because of that. <laughs> and they'll become those cult classics because yeah. of that reason, like you said. Entirely, it, they do well when they come out, and this classic Carpenter. But they're like. Oh, ten years later, it's revealed as like this was a fucking masterpiece, and you all slept on it. Yeah, what but, the hell yeah. is wrong with you? All? Yeah. Um. So yeah, Escape from New York. It's very hard for people not to go. It's pretty good. I mean, they might not like it, but they mm. go, no, I can see why it was good. I can understand mm. why it was a was a popular and important thing. Mm. Then we have to fast forward ahead. <laughs> I there's so much history as to why this film happened, and how this film happened, and I largely reject all of it. Because it's so utterly pointless. There's no real hunger from an audience for it. Mm-hmm. The studio doesn't really give too much of a shit about it, in theory. Enough to fund it, but not really mm-hmm. back it that much. Um, the time in terms of like the action scene, we're talking about like Con Air coming around about this sort mm. of time. It's a Bruckheimery defined yeah, era. Yeah. And then there's this completely out of place out of time. and maybe it was you know a good idea for a man out of time sort of thing mm. didn't really fit um, there wasn't a lot of resurgence of older characters coming back in that form I mean you had other nah, things it wasn't pieces. it wasn't the same like now it's we're so full we're so used to characters from the 80s coming back or concepts yeah. from the 80s yeah, yeah, or yeah. the 90s coming back and yeah. or, or those tropes being recycled and stuff whereas like that early 90s period it, there was actually quite a lot of like concepts that were unique to cinema like your you know con air and you know jurassic Armaged- fucking Ar- park man jurassic park armageddon not yeah. a great film but a unique idea yeah you know <laughs> so unique they made deep impact yeah <laughs> <laughs> no you're right it was a very strange thing and a couple of years beforehand um tombstone just came out mm. that's like tomb raider tombstone you were about to say tomb raider <laughs> yeah. Kurt russell as Lara croft oh i'd watch it mm. i'd regret it but i'd watch it um, no, Tombstone just came out, and Kurt Russell was fantastic. Everyone's fantastic. Mm, Val Kilmer was amazing. That yeah. um, it pissed on uh, again. Talking about films coming out at the same time. Kevin Costner was in White Up at the same time, yeah, yeah. and that just didn't do very well because it was a very long three-hour biopic as opposed to this really fast-paced, well-shot, fun, almost action film. Was Tombstone? Mm. Um, so yeah, they, it was in a weird place. But then it's like, you know what we do? Another escape film. It's like, oh. Oh, okay, that could be interesting. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's like it's been a while, fifteen years. Mm. That's yeah, no, fuck it, let's try it. And then it's like, what's it about? Same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, he's it's escaping from Los Angeles, which and has also, been turned into a giant prison, and, <laughs> and also a very bad CGI tidal wave. <laughs> we have a lot to say about the CGI. Yeah, Tim, you kind of hinted at it earlier with the, he arrives in an unusual vehicle and <laughs> crashes it and then as he gets out, it 
explodes even more and falls into the sea and all this bullshit. I'm like, God, that submarine looks like some <laughs> PS1 bullshit. It really does. And the CGI in this film, we've talked about CGI a fair amount in this season. We're you know, talking about Tron and Star Trek. Yeah, and Mummy yeah. Returns. Mummy Returns, mm. all that kind of stuff, exactly. This is the worst CGI of the season. Mm. Yes. Some of the worst I've ever seen in terms of it actually looking like it's supposed to be in this film. Mm-hmm. Whereas just, that is just a bunch of fucking polygons they've slapped in front of a screen and then been like, yeah, that's that's fine. We don't need to do like a lighting pass or anything. I'll be fine. Well, we it's... don't need to, God forbid, we like match the color scheme or match the mm. lighting to any of the surroundings. It is just a fucking polygonal blob in the middle <laughs> of the fucking screen and I hated it. It was very painful and, and so boxy. And in, in the opening couple of shots where they describe what's going on, uh, and you're like, okay, world building. And it, it, we should point out, if we haven't already actually, we haven't mentioned this. We have for Patreons, uh, sorry, Patrons, not Patreons. Patrons. 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 Or, but the on Patreon patrons, for ex- our patrons. Expecto Patrons, um, we have a commentary of Escape from LA and the opening couple of shots with those boxy, awful helicopters <laughs> rolling around. Oh, like, yeah, the helicopters! So <laughs> awful. We and compared like, it to those really low-budget Ugandan films, didn't we? Yeah. Well, Hollywood, yeah. <laughs> and even then, it's like, no, nah, they did it better. <laughs> um, it's genuinely painful. They were remarkably bad. And, it, you know, we laugh at it now. And it was a period in time where the Jurassic Park had come out. We always point out Jurassic Park because it was leading the way. And Jurassic Park basically signaled to everyone else, look what you can do with visual effects. Everything in this film is visual effects. It's like, you are wrong, you dumb fucks. It's mostly puppets. <laughs> um, but, the, you know, it's like, you know, giving a tool to a, a, an inexperienced individual who doesn't know how to use it. It's like, oh, I'm going to use this uh, this wood polishing thing for the floor. And then you end up like, just sucking the whole carpet up. And you're like, oh, fuck, I've ruined it. It's like, yeah, cause you didn't look at anything. You just literally took the work before you. In fact, there's a Jurassic Park quote in Jurassic Park about it. You didn't do the work yourself. You saw the work of others. And you talk, took it, and you built on it, yeah. and now you're trying to sell it. That's literally what's happened. So, a lot was expected of this movie, and it's frustrating because it, there's so many novel workarounds in the first film, because it's in inverted commas, quite low budget in mm. Escape from New York, and there's a whole smashed plane in the middle of the street, which is mm. amazing. There's They couldn't do actual um, computer effects the way they wanted to, where they have a, a, a sort of computer-guided radar kind of thing yeah, flying over the, city. Yeah, the, the glider coming in exactly. to land on the World Trade Center. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, awkward. Um, but they... they, So what they did was they built a model, put it like luminescent tape around things and just flew the camera around it. It's yeah. so fucking novel. That's like independent filmmaking shit I mm. absolutely love. In this one, when they opened the describing about how what happened to, um, to LA, you're like, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> it looks shit now. Yeah. Because it's, 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 it's boring. Mm. But there's so much of that going on here. And they're like, we'll just do it with CGI. We'll just do it with CGI. Mm. But there was a huge problem with that. And I don't know whether to blame the studio or Carpenter. I feel it's the studio's fault. Probably. Well, yeah, the um, the visual effects house who worked on the film, uh, Buena Vista Visual Effects, yeah. had never actually done CGI before and didn't know how to do it. Yeah. Which... Uh- that's that's kind of a problem. That's, that's really that bad. That sounds like a fairly important thing to know about. If you're the visual effects company yeah. that's been hired to do <laughs> a fucking movie. 
Would you just pick a dude who's never directed for? Pick a random bloke off the well, street and be see, like, "Hey, point a camera at Kurt Russell." Like, yeah, sure. You with with the nature of film, mm. you can get very lucky with that. You can mm. genuinely be the first one to create certain things, or the first individual, or, or even just someone's like, "We've never thought to do this before." I mean, like uh, with Orson Welles, a fairly untested director. It's like, "I'm gonna shoot up." It's like, you can't shoot up. That's where all the uh, the lights are. I'm gonna put a cloth ceiling over the top so you can't actually see the mics and the lights. It's like. What? <laughs> Shit, why? But that's brilliant, but why? To make the characters look imposing and bigger than the audience. Fuck, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's like no one thought to do this. It's it's a you know that kind of situation. It's, 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 sort of it's the sometimes you uh inexperience allows you to like bust through walls that people are, uh, just assume are incredibly solid and yeah. actually like it's just conventional wisdom and you you know you bust through there and there's this whole other world on the other side yeah, yeah. and then sometimes you run into that wall at full speed going <laughs> i know how to do this and it's made of concrete yep. um and and you do actually it's like no 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 if you're going to do cgi you need to know how cgi works yeah. um the, the, it's sometimes you can fall on your feet and think, fuck me, that was a good job. How mm. did I do that and work backwards? Other times you're a drunk in a pub saying, yeah. I, I could fucking climb this building, fuck you. And then you die. And yeah. we're also in the era now of like, if you don't have the visual effects, go and watch some Adobe tutorials. Yeah. Yeah. Go and watch a YouTube video. Go and watch the behind the scenes of all mm. these other films. And yeah. you can... I'm not saying you're suddenly going to be working for ILM, but you can kind of work it out at home and stuff Technology like... Technology is accessible. Matt, you do a lot of your own visual effects and stuff. I for your... do. Yeah, and we know the guy who who works with you and does a lot of your stuff. He's yep. a, literally across the road from us right now. Very true. Um, freelance and, and mm. granted, he went to university for it and all that kind of stuff, but... Yeah. You can kind of do that now with all this technology. You can perfect in, your skills. Yeah, yeah, you can sit at home with a fairly decent, you know, setup uh, and kind of Gareth do it yourself. Edwards did it. There you go. Exactly. You can kind of get away with that shit with the invention of all the Adobe stuff. Mm. Not in the 90s you couldn't. No. Cuz that shit goes wrong real quick. And the frustrating thing here is there's not much in this film that you couldn't recreate with, using yeah. existing effects at the time. That's a really good point. The, yeah. Yeah. You know, it might have cost a bit more money in different places but given how new cgi was i'm sure it was exp like making yeah. this film was expensive as fuck probably and looks terrible and i'm sure that they could <laughs> they could have gone for and a CGI less, in the 90s for you a less high-tech solution like there's no like you've got these boxy futuristic looking helicopters Just get a fucking helicopter and Put weld some extra it. weld some extra panels on it yeah and fly it around and there you've got it like mm. you know the 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 tidal wave stuff, like I'm sure they could have done with. Like, I mean, you don't need a tidal wave in this film a, anyway. A, you don't need a tidal no, wave you in really this film. Don't. Um, but like, you know, there there were films getting made that you know you look at like the Indiana Jones films that had these yeah. big sun, yeah, stunt yeah. set pieces, mm -hmm. complex stuff happening. It had visual effects in it, but yeah. it was sparingly used. Yeah, um, and this film is just like, like you say, so much responsibility has just gone like. We'll fix it in CGI in post. Mm. We've heard of it. We've got this fantastic new technology. It's going to make it look <laughs> so good. Yeah. And then you pass it to the people and they are like still working out where the plugs go into the wall. <laughs> that sounds, again, that's a very astute way of looking at it. The thing is, and it's supposition, but I think it's probably correct. If you said to a studio or Paramount, I think produced one, and said, we're doing a snake movie, we're doing a Plisky, and I said, oh, okay. 
That sounds a little dated, a bit retro. Why would we do that? Uh, it's gonna. How is it gonna compete with these these mm. new films? It's gonna have cutting edge CGI. Oh, all right. And we it's have it such, now with the same shit. It's like it's what, what's what's such what's got a different? fucking coked up movie executive yeah. decision. <laughs> it is of like if we want it to compete, we're gonna have to put some CGI in there. That's yeah. what the kids are crazy for these days. I don't want to see any of this old school shit. Fire all those people. I want CGI. You guys, you guys are gonna build me a computer and you're gonna make it shoot lasers out of my dick <laughs> but we don't know how to do that none of us have the training for that i want a laser dick tim producer is a character we need to keep returning to every episode i'm not saying you're wearing a shirt that would suit a coked up producer from the 80s tim but you're wearing a shirt you, that would suit a you look like up a fucking producer. scarface and or miami oh. vice villain <laughs> just undo a few more buttons yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, uh, it, it's so true in that sense. And we talked about it in Mummy Returns as well. That era of CGI. I feel so sorry for so many of the filmmakers yeah, of that era yeah. because, like, like you said, Tim, it's everybody going, oh my god, we've got this amazing technology. We'll fix it all in post. It'll be fine. No, you won't. It's going to look shit. It's going to look shit forever. Mm. Now you can be like, we'll fix it in post. You probably can. Yeah. Mm. Or. We don't have the technology. We'll have to do it practically. Yeah. Oh, it looks good. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. there's a reason the thing still looks fucking amazing. Yeah, it's because John Carpenter and his team and who he worked with were fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's all practical and brilliant and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, why would you get the guy who made the thing to do <laughs> terrible CGI when he's known for fantastic practical effects? I don't know. I kind of think and, Carpenter's also to blame for that one. And it's also the thing of like... We talk about like, oh, we'll fix it in post. Like, so much of special effects and even CGI relies on getting the information you need while you are filming. Yes, like, there is a reason, hugely so. Yeah, there is a reason that you can do something like film Avengers Endgame and not know what the time travel suits are going to look like, and just have people walking around in like t-shirts with white reference spots on them. Yeah, and then CGI that in, and nobody can tell. Like the reason that they can do that is because they know the preparation that they need to do when they're doing the filming to then do that. Whereas back in these early days, people didn't have that sense of like, okay, well, if we're going to put CGI in this thing, we need to put something in to get a light reference for like how the light is going to bounce off of it in this particular lighting Mm -hmm. and take all those things into account. And obviously that those, you needed that time for people to figure that out and work out, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and obviously, you know, we're, sat here on the sidelines going you're not very good at cgi well, and there's people obviously at that point still knew that but mm. it was a very fresh technology still. it was and any new technology you always have a lot of stumbling i mean jack mentioned earlier my own filmmaking stuff and part of the reason i'm not going to give myself like some sort of job of the blows and uh, <laughs> say i'm an amazing filmmaker but part of the reason that things work is because i know two things one I've had to, because of independent filmmaking, work every different job at one point or another in that industry, as it were. I, I said this to you the other day, and it never occurred to me. Because mm. I always think of you, and I, I take the piss and be like, oh, Matt's being director again. This director, mate, is setting up all the shots and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, Matt doesn't have a DP. He's his own DP. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even realized yeah. that because that's so integral to like what you yeah. do and how you shoot your for, stuff. For some, for some projects, I will have like a direct photography, for example, but most of the time it's just me. And uh, who's your editor? Former me. sequelizer Tom Martin was a DP he on was one, one, yeah, of, your, yeah, one of your projects as well. Yeah. Very true. Did a good job. Um, uh, sound stuff, mostly me. Uh, music, 
in the past has been me mm. um visual effects me so and the things i always film things like well if i can't get anyone i have to do this myself so i have to shoot it away that i know how it work back then it was just a case of we'll get someone who knows what they're doing i'll just shoot it like as a regular movie and i'll just do it and it'll be fine and they'll work around it. it's like you, you can't do that but they didn't know at the time mm. they wouldn't have and it's not like a fault of carpenter in a strange way it's just that you were sold on this technology like don't worry it'll fix everything as if in the same way that a steady cam a steady cam when it was invented i want to say on the set of the shining oddly enough oh. um to track through the maze things mm, interesting um, feel free to correct me and feel uh, free to if fuck that's off. true that's already a cool piece of trivia i'm pretty sure it's true yeah, cool. um and that's how it was created but then it's just a tool it's just a thing you can't just give someone that and say now it looks cinematic you mm. have to know how to use it um and the same thing with any skill in terms of like filmmaking it's like great we got pyrotechnics now do you have any idea how to shoot a pyrotechnic <laughs> scene at all figure it out have you consulted anyone no one to consult it's new <laughs> right people are gonna die who's the expert no one yeah that's what was called the fucking silent movie era <laughs> yeah. where you just did shit and mm-hmm. found out what worked and what didn't and then they introduced sound as well and tried to figure out what the fuck was that and then eventually got colour same principle mm-hmm. and CGI is one of those huge leap forwards mm-hmm. uh, it leaps forward sorry in terms of like um, visual effects in general um, I don't think 3D could be considered the same thing I would mm-hmm. say possibly a current thing would be de-aging is one of those things that's really Ooh, yeah. people mm-hmm. are really sucking that one dry um, but now they know as well hello it's not the just, Irishman yeah it's not just a case of um, smooth them out smooth out again Tron Legacy not just like build a fake yeah, face that's already yeah, it's a case of now no. you need to combine practical effects makeup um, some digital stuff some tracking markers all the bits and pieces mm. now uh, another good example probably even a better example is motion capture yeah mm. absolutely um, which again went from uh, fucking the Jar Jar Binks reference shots that mm. were all completely useless uh, to Andy Serkis and all the things he's done mm. the apes movies we bring them up so yeah, much always do they're fucking amazing mm-hmm. and and I think we mentioned it in one of the episodes not too long ago with the fact that he went from Andy Serkis in a wetsuit on the set of Lord of the Rings and they had to hand paint him out and it was yeah, a massive pain in the yeah. ass to he, they're doing full motion capture on set with lighting and everything so on the Apes movies. Like him and Toby Kebbell are there and they are the apes talking to each other and fighting yeah. with each other and stuff in this giant fucking structure and it's all happening right in front of your eyes. It's absolutely insane. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there now. It's completely fucking irrelevant. Reeves, fantastic director mm. uh, and loved the movies he's worked on so far. He's going to make a good fucking Batman. I agree. Yeah, I now, agree. So. Fast forward to when he does or doesn't. It's going to be the best <laughs> Batman thing since The Dark Knight. I actually there completely fucking agree with you. Not much competition yeah. there in my no, opinion. No, not really, but I agree with you. Yep. Um, obviously, we've we've talked a lot about CGI, a bit like we did with the Mummy. And again, we should say like, even if you fixed all the CGI in this film, oh, it, it would still be still terrible. Be terrible. Um, it's just Escape from New York again. There's also with diminishing returns. Yeah, it's yeah. it's diminishing returns. There's like the final like action scene, even with even if you fix the CGI in it, it's just bad. It's just this weird like. Them coming in on hang gliders oh, so and painful. then just a, a kind of vaguely confused gunfight going on <sighs> in Disneyland. In Disney, in fake Disneyland. Yeah. It. I and I, I, we talk about this in the commentary. None, none of us know LA particularly well, no. but LA is a huge and sprawling city. It's not like like Manhattan, where you have a very dense population all crammed into a small space. 
bounded by water. Yeah. You know. Um, well, yeah, it, it, it was an island which became, as you say, sprawling and unpopulated. Mm. LA was designed for the car. It was like one of the first yeah. American cities that was designed for the car. It's really, and, and I'm going to say this, ugly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's laid out because it's designed to be got to by car you yeah. can't really walk anywhere there's no you think what's the main sites of of mm. los angeles and you go uh the observatory <laughs> how do you get there car yeah and we're observing mostly roads yeah it's, and and, it, yeah. and it's like so a film of this nature just doesn't work in la because it. because it wants to show you a bit like escape from new york did some of the iconic sites of the city yes but they would all be so spread out that there's no sense, there's none of the claustrophobia yeah. or the sense of like danger could be right around the corner that you get in Escape from New York because yeah. like Escape from New York feels it's as vertical as it is horizontal in yes. a lot of ways, you know, and you're constantly like, oh, what's what's that up there or what's this creeping underneath me like mm. coming up from the sewers? Like a Judge Dread thing. Yeah. Yeah. A bit like you're, yeah. you are, are, are constantly on the raid as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very vertical. Whereas you know. the things, that, the, the iconic landmarks are mostly neighborhoods. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, it's the Beverly Hills Surgeon. I'm like, oh, it's. And you have, you have Sons Steve Buscemi, his uh, character driver around and yeah. being the tour guide to the mm. stars thing. Like, yeah. 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 It's so, it's so, it's also the big problem as well. And this is something that um, audiences don't seem to always understand. But it's like yeah, audiences. Yeah, audience. Fuck you. When we did our um, uh, our, our Patreon commentary on the Oscars, mm. um, when we're like, you know, Jack's saying, "I don't think he's going to get it," and Tim was like, "No, it is. <laughs> Hollywood loves Hollywood." Yeah, and well, so that when you so fucking true. When you've been in the system, you're like, "Ah, uh, yeah, I get it." So there are so many little stupid fucking jokes in this movie about agents and oh, the Hollywood scene, and it's yep. all like, this is not playing to anybody but people who literally are within a very small ring yeah it's such an in joke and it's not funny yeah steve buscemi's like constantly like oh i'll be your agent hey are you i hear you need a new agent it's like that so doesn't work with the aesthetic that you have set up in escape from new york like and it's all too light yeah it would only work if you went like this there's there's attempts at satire there but they are Mm. the weakest possible satire and like to to give that more edge, you would have to skew the film even further away from what it originally was. Like, because the, the satirical elements in Escape from New York are aimed at, like, government overreaction. It's not it's not poking mm. fun at just kind of modern society in general. It's talking about, like, the prison industrial complex yes. and totalitarian governments. Like big stuff and intimidating stuff. It's not like, hey, everyone in Hollywood's really conceited and they all just care about films. Yeah. And all surf bums. Yeah. And the Rain Man, the acid Rain Man. Thanks, Fonda. <laughs> it's, it's, here's a strange parallel for you. Because 80s, 90s, um, having experienced and sampled both those fucks. Um, As we learned in the quiz on the uh, patron, oh. exclu- <laughs> patron exclusive quiz. God's sake. I did not experience... <laughs> nope. Or learn anything about <laughs> the 80s. You know about the uh, Prime Minister of Thailand's wife's shoes? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. apparently so. Um, if we take two big cultural things for kids. Transformers and Turtles. Ooh. Let us stretch here what is 80s and what is 90s, but bear with me a second. If you take two series two or three of Transformers, you've got... Um, 
stories that are carrying on, same characters are there, they've done a film, all these bits have happened. I think they started to move into the whole Optimus is being replaced by Rodimus Prime and all these hot rod sort of things. And they, they're trying to move mm. on and do, evolve the story. But <laughs> Sorry, Rodimus Prime? I'm pretty sure he that's gets, a thing. He but gets the Matrix of leadership, leadership, Jack. This, yeah. Should have gone to Ultra Magnus, I'm just saying. But moving on. Um, Another Ultra controversial. Magnus is great. He's a little guy inside a big guy. <laughs> Another controversial opinion. Never give a fuck about Transformers. Never, never have, never will. It's because you're a 90s boy. Correct. But the point I is... I broke Stuart's heart when I told <laughs> The point is that it was at a time, the Reagan times, where you could advertise directly to kids. It, you have a thinly veiled advert and called it a cartoon to sell shit oh it didn't matter about the uh didn't matter about what you were selling didn't matter about the violence gi joe what shit fuck it sell it then you get the turtles series one of the turtles great and it works well it's the same bullshit sell things to kids and it's a huge thing and everyone says they have they have fucking swords and knives and the 90s changed and said yeah we need to do away with this. And uh, you do have this change. We talked about something. We talked about something the Home Alone episode mm. <laughs> where there's a change in how children are no longer mischievous, evil scamp bastards. Mm. They're to be protected and their innocence. Mm. And this whole very strange post Reagan-y kind of era stuff and George W. H.W. Mm. Bush sort of thing. And it, it, it's a very odd time where they said, right, series two of the Turtles. The swords will only be used to cut pipes, which will really yeah. steam. And then it's like, it's like, wait, what? What is happening here? And they were neutered in a way and brought down something they could sell again, sell toys still. And it still had the stuff. I remember again, I had the toys as a kid. Mm. They, I still had like Psy and nunchucks and still beat the shit out of mm. people with them because that's what we did when you were a child in Britain. And let's face it, <laughs> most places. Mm. Um, and it was, it's, it, it wasn't that unusual. And that's kind of how I see Escape from New York and Escape from LA. One is a really gritty thing trying to say something. In this case, not sell something, but actually say <laughs> something. And Escape from LA is like its very strange shadow where it's been completely watered down, much softer, and much more cartoony, despite the fact that it's the same thing. I mean, the, the again, you can literally have a scene where uh, the same story happens, the same premise and Snake is sent into this island because now LA's an island because of an earthquake and he's been given the virus this time it wasn't injected into him it was scratched onto him in one of the worst oh. fucking cutaway shots yes. oh that is the worst fucking, fucking oh I wonder if that's going to be relevant later signpost that shit beat about oh. your face with it although I did like the whole um, which one of you gives me the shot on the way back <laughs> oh it's not one of us okay good <laughs> yeah uh, there were there were clip there was a uh, like a fake round top shot and like no well, that's annoying. <laughs> um, although they do make Snake more dumb in this film, which is very mm. annoying. Anyway, so he goes in the island, everything's exactly the same, but always down to things like the beat of, in New York, he gets tired at one point and then sits on a little chair he finds. Escape from LA does the same fucking thing. <laughs> and, it's, and then, you know, an important character just happens to come along and say, hey, do you want to carry on with the story? Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking absurd. And that's so true. In this case, though, it it it's, I don't know, it, I don't know if it's just a case of John Carpenter getting older and more cynical, or if it's just them getting more tired. But it's all a bit lazy, mm. in every sense of the word. Do you do you want to know the terrifying future that we avoided, though? Oh, uh, three. Yeah, I know, but we should let them know. Yeah. So uh, there does was Jack know? going. Does Jack? Know? I don't think so. Oh. There was going to be. 
and Escape 3. From, from where? It was going to be uh. Escape from Mars. Oh, I heard that. What? No, and it became what? John Carpenter's Ghosts, Ghosts of, of Mars. Mars. Yeah. Fucking hell! Yeah. I think we did. We did talk about this. This rings right, a did, bell, yeah, because yeah, you brought Ghosts of Mars up at some. Maybe mm. it was during the commentary or Probably something commentary, like that. Yeah. But fucking it was a while hell! Ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous. And I think as well, because again, if you're going to try and continue the franchise, I mean, obviously we're going to wipe the slate clean. Mm-hmm. But if you do, do try and continue it from there, you the precedent you've set is well, I guess you have to do the same thing again. Yeah. Otherwise, everyone's going to say, oh, wasn't the same. Good, but also what? And then you end up with, as you say, Ghost of Fucking Mars with yeah. Jason Fucking Statham, who is definitely not Kurt Fucking Russell. <laughs> really? I always assumed he was Kurt Russell. You. I know you're joking, <laughs> but I've got to suppress just, the Celtic just... <laughs> rage in me to smash your face. Jason Statham <laughs> wishes he could achieve the luxurious mane of Kurt Russell. Oh, oh uh, he as, does a good as, job in a revolver. As a bald man, Matthew, I assume you dream of luxurious hair. At some point. I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I've told this truth before, I think, but I'm going to tell you again. And it sounds like a bit, it's, it's going to sound like a lie. I'm telling this right now. I massively prefer being bald. <laughs> I it, the the it, it's so free of hassle. But if you could trade it for having Kurt Russell's hair, if I could trade it for Kurt Russell's hair that required no maintenance, mm. in a heartbeat. I, I, assume, I assume it requires a lot of maintenance because it is yeah. a it's a majestic mane. It's a, it's a fucking mane, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. High maintenance. Oh, I don't like puns. I know that's why I did it. Yeah. So it's a very weird film and it's very unfortunate and we're all very sad it exists and it does and it made shit money and everyone got really sad and John Carpenter's career kind of spiraled from there. Mm. Thanks for the summary, Matt. I appreciate that. I just thought I'd throw it out there because it's a sad, sad story. Yeah. <laughs> 90s Carpenter is an unfortunate time. He's like he's he's fine. Does some interesting stuff with like uh, Math of Madness and Prince Darkness and stuff like that. It's just some interesting things. But then 2000s Carpenter. I mean, that's the... like he's often a, a filmmaker that we've pointed to and gone like, Oh yeah, you're making a film in the '80s, like, and it, and, it, and you fucked it up, like John get, get, Carpenter. Get John Carpenter on it, but he definitely does. Like, there, there's certain filmmakers, and you can see it throughout the kind of the rise of CGI. There's yeah, certain film yeah. filmmakers who don't get it, or they get it to a certain extent, and then. As CGI has got better, they've just they've not got how to integrate it properly. Or they become obsessed with it, like James Cameron. Yeah, and he's kind of one of the first casualties of that, where because because the films of the type that he would want to make are so the films that would now include CGI, and Mm. the fact that he just can't seem to get it right, like it means he's stuck making stuff like vampires, which is, you know, pulpy and fun, but like... Ooh, James when Woods you think, is also not fucking Kurt Russell. Yeah, when you think of the ambition of his early stuff, and you, I mean, you look at something like The Thing, um, like... It's if he, one of if, the greatest films of all time. Yeah, I'm going to say if, it. I don't if, give a fuck. It is. If, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If he had had the skill, like, and the mindset to properly get to grips with CGI... Like he could have been producing some amazing stuff, and instead he's mm. just kind of become irrelevant. Unfortunately, no, it's true. Uh, his music's still good though, um, but because mm. he does like performances mm. and stuff. But other than that, yeah, we look back at the thing now with obviously, let's face it, roast into goggles mm. was like saying, "Oh, this is so good." It's it it's hard to remember that 
the people working on the film nearly died because he was punching out so much in terms of quant- very high quality mm. um, uh, output for just just makeup in general and suits and bits and pieces and all this lavish stuff. And it was nearly killing him. Mm. It, it did kill him. The guy in question, by the way, is Rob Bottin. And in the interviews on the thing, like the, the DVD and stuff, he would talk about how he literally was rushed, rushed hospital afterwards because he was like staying awake all the time. So I think in the same way, and I'm not giving sort of Carpenter shade for this, but I think if he had someone dedicated, i.e. believed in it so much that he was willing to die... <laughs> on the CGI of Escape from LA, it would look better. But as Tim already said, it could have been the most beautiful, amazing, cutting edge thing, like like a Tron Legacy, um, Joseph Kaczynski something with like mm-hmm. Oblivion or something, and like look absolutely beautiful, and it still would have been a big pile of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was saying that the idea that there's so many similar points throughout the point, let's like say him sitting down and then beat for beat mm-hmm. the same, but it's neutered again in the same way that. Uh, at one point, he's captured by the bad guy and put into a ring to have a sort of uh, a sort of show tournament. Oh god, I hated <laughs> that bit so much. The fight—it looks like the fucking Kirk versus Gorn. They're not actually hurting each other. They swing, and at the last second, they pull back too much, and it looks like they're just going eh, and like fucking pillow fighting with each other, and it was rubbish. <laughs> it is a weaker element. This is fight, true. fight scenes in films just drive me nuts if they look really unrealistic. Yeah. Because fighting is such a basic fucking thing. We've well, known how to fight and how fighting looks for mm. thousands of fucking years. It's true. You know, you know how to choke somebody unconscious. Uh, People have known that for decades in terms of filmmaking at this point. Here's There's no thing. excuse. We still haven't gotten over a, a 2004 development in terms of fighting. In, as in, in, in terms of like how we present fights now. You think about the raid and all the things, how things are shown. <laughs> 2004, where we learned that you kick people in the nuts. Uh, <laughs> it's where we learned that if Brad Pitt is playing Achilles, he can do a jump and go, <laughs> and then <laughs> stab someone. And that jump, that run jump sort of thing with the slowdown, just like, as if like, mm. if I if I jump and then punch him, it'll be hard. I was like, mm. what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, Superman punch, yeah. Falcon Punch. Falcon Punch. But that, yeah, so that was when... No, that's what it actually is in real it's life. called the Superman Punch? Yes. The technique in mixed martial arts is the oh. Superman Punch. Well, you you fake a kick or a knee, but then throw your fist forward, so you like yeah. extend your leg out and throw yeah. your fist forward, so it's kind of like a pow, and you Superman Punch. And they've taken that in wrestling, hmm. and a guy called Roman Reigns... Who's oh, like Reigns, yeah. uh, He's in Fast and Furious... Hobbs and Shaw mm-hmm. he's the rock's cousin in real life and in the thing yeah yep. um, he's one of his signature moves is the Superman match where he runs at you jumps and then does the like big fist and punches yep. you in the face so we're still doing that now yeah, thought, yeah. The, I, the one I always think of is uh, Jack in the finale of Lost oh, oh yeah God. yeah wow <laughs> yeah because that, yeah. that was fucking like great me for a second there the first <laughs> thing about is Jack I just sit back and think about Jack doing a Superman punch yeah yeah, you can all take a moment, listeners. Yeah. Mm. So that fight is it ends with the, you know it, it's it's a, 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 in a ring and he's given a bat with some uh, some nails sticking out and he smacks it into this bad guy's head and it's like oh it's all over. Mm. It's, it's quite brutal. It's it looks pony but mm-hmm. it's fine. The version in this one is he goes <laughs> to a basketball court <laughs> in the middle of a stadium that I don't care about or get the reference for, mm. and he has to do a halftime. What's that? Half half clock. Mm-hmm. Half court challenge. Half court challenge. Thank you. Not clock cock, which is what I wanted to say <laughs> for some reason. So he has to make. He's got like I don't know, ten shots to make in ten seconds. Some bullshit. Mm. 
And he has to go from one end of the we court. We don't know basketball. We're, British. <laughs> we're white British dudes. We yeah. don't know what the fuck we're talking Something about. Something about balls. Yeah, so he has to go from one end of the court, sink a ball, go the one, dunk, back and forth. And obviously he gets more tired. And he's like, oh, he's doing a good job. Mm. Ah, but now he's getting tired. And it's like, oh, mm. that's riveting fucking television yeah. slash cinema. Um, and there is an amazing thing. And, in, and and because the CGI is so shit in this movie, I'm like, that's definitely real. Yeah. Um, where they have, you know, the last couple of seconds and he's about to, to lose and be executed and all this stuff mm. happens. And he's got the whole court, the whole, however long a court From is one court. basket yeah. to another. And he lobs the fucker in and it goes all the way and goes straight in. And it's like, holy shit, Kurt Russell. But then you think, hang on, that's probably fake. And they think, nope. I saw the helicopters. These guys have no idea how to make that go in. As the, I mean, the, the, there's like a very slight reverb on the, on the, um, on the actual rim of the, of the, mm. of the hoop and the, the net sway is just ever so slightly. It's like, no, that's real. Yeah. If it was, a, if it was, if it was accomplished CGI. We would fucking know about know. it if it was yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And it's CGI. It's like, shit, that's cool. And then of course it undermines it with a, just have to shoot him anyway. Have to. It's like, yeah. what? But it's the same thing. It's like, you take this, you know, what, what are we going to do to sort of entertain ourselves? Chuck him in the pit with this fucking monstrous wrestler looking mm. motherfucker and just have him fight to the death. It's like, that's pretty awful. What about this one? We could do a basketball game. Not right. a basketball game. A basketball halftime challenge <laughs> yeah. bullshit. Yes. It's like, Everyone gets this free is, pizza. This is the kind of thing that we do in the halftime of a basketball game where they pick somebody from the crowd to see if they can shoot a thing yep. and then they win a year's supply of KFC or some bollocks or yeah. whatever the sponsor for that thing is. Yeah, exactly. And that's like... Not that's... even an f- actual fucking competition to the death or to the anything of anything. And then we find out it's rigged anyway. Just random basketball bollocks. Yep. I think this is th- like... Picking up off what you were saying earlier, Matt, I think the thing is is that Escape from L.A. feels like if Escape from New York was written by the Lost Boys from Hook. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. It is that like, oh, yeah, it's totally radical, but also like we don't really know what we're doing. So <laughs> we're just adults surf and play basketball, right? And like, yeah. Play. Sure, sure. Play. <laughs> yeah, that's a very valid point. And then it's this classic thing of like, hang on a minute. I recognize that voice. It's my friend. But he dresses like a girl now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh no. Let's, let's, let's throw in some horrible transphobia with Pam Greer. Oh, Pam Greer's character. In there. Oh my God. It's, it's. Oh my God, Matt. No. And then just, that's all we need to say. It's the worst. <sighs> yeah. It's, the it's gross. And you can't do like, what was the intention here? Well, we talk about this, this in the commentary. It's like, been progressive or something. It's like, it's like, no, it's meant to be like a joke. It's like, it's not really funny. It's neither funny clever. nor like clever. But then or I know what it is. It's literally just saying, "Ah, uh, L.A." That's literally yeah, all it's that's, saying. That's, yeah. that's the joke. L.A., uh, which is you'll find anything here in this city. A, a man and or woman who used to be. I don't even know what's the character name. Hershey. Oh no! Fuck, <laughs> fuck all the way off. Oh uh, god! Carjack Malone. Uh, I mean, what do you? If, fuck's sake so there's plenty of fodder for fixing it escape yes. from la yeah it is, it is a not a good film um but again as i say because i saw it at 15 and he had a cool long leather coat rather than a jacket i was like yeah <laughs> it's fucking awesome he does have a cool <laughs> stealth suit thing he does yeah. I, I would also maintain as i did in in the commentary i like the opening theme with more guitar and stuff rather than just being the synth because the fucking yeah, theme I'm is amazing about, i'm all about the guitars yeah. that, that, say from, from new york theme is Again, Carpenter being 
Mm. And the, like we said, the ending's cool. Welcome to the human race. Like, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> and yeah. apparently, written entirely by Kurt Russell. That's right, because yeah. he has a writing credit. His yeah. only writing his credit. His only writing yeah. credit yeah. in his entire career. And apparently he came up with the idea mm-hmm. and entirely wrote that final scene with him and the president. And the. I mean, it's interesting because it's like the fake out from the... Uh, no, no, sorry. It's the exact fake oh, yeah. out yeah, yeah. from the it first is. film. Like, oh, it's a tape, but this time it's a tiny CD with a little bit of nail varnish on it. Yeah. Oh, fuck's sake. Because technology, right? Guys? Technology. It's not a tape mm. anymore. We're, we're upgraded. That's how that works. Goth. But I like that it's the, the hologram emitter thing. And mm. I like that it's like, if you do that, you'll wipe out everything. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Don't care. <laughs> don't give a fuck. I uh, don't I, care. I don't hate the hologram thing as well because they set that up earlier they in the do. film. Mm-hmm. And by the time it, it comes back around, you're like, I forgot that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And they specifically mention it. You know, like when I first did it, I was like, okay, that's really heavy handed. Yes. 90 minutes later, I forget it's a thing. Yeah. It's the one example I'm so of so something... busy watching all this bullshit for the other 90 minutes. And then you're <laughs> yep. like, oh yeah, he just stood behind a tree around the corner. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's the one example of something new. And that's yeah. why it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. And he, yeah. he literally says, no. And he does the same fake out. And it's like, oh, he's put it the world code. No destination. And he's got this great couple of facial expressions. And it, it, it's solely just the idea of like, if you if you do this. And it's like, what? I don't care. You yeah. people. Are, and, they, and, and the thing is, he's awful because he's shutting down hospitals and everything. Yeah. He's literally a selfish he's, turd. Like. Snake Plissken is probably genocide, right? Probably. Yeah, he like Not everyone's on the ground right now. He's an incredibly nihilistic hero. Like, yeah, mm, yeah he, very much so. He he's kind of the comedian. Give a fuck, like. Actually, the comedian cared too much by then, but do care. Yeah, yeah, he 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 just does not really care. Like, the only way you can get him to care about a thing is by threatening to kill him. Yeah, like self-preservation. Yeah. Um, God, he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Nihilism uh, is cool, kid. I bet he smokes. Oh. That's the that's another thing that Kurt Russell blatantly must have written himself or something like that. It's like he's just like I've done my recording. I'm feeling a bit woozy. Look, I found a packet of cigarettes <laughs> behind a rock <laughs> in a country where cigarettes are illegal. <laughs> it's like, what are you fucking talking? How? Doesn't matter because I have some plain old fashioned stick matches. But I'm <laughs> cool as fuck. I smoke it. Look straight at the camera. And look cool as fuck. <laughs> and it's, it's, it, yeah, it's very much like, what are you looking at? Don't judge me. And then, on to the human race. And then, there I go. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking good. It's so, it's so good. And it makes you... I think that's what I did as a kid. Like, watch that at the end of the film and thought, yeah, that was great. Is that the, mo- the most recent thing? You just remember the last 10 seconds. You're like... That was really good. Uh, that's how just... people watched MCU films for a long exactly. time. Yeah. Exactly. That was yeah. the best thing ever. Yeah. I just saw Quicksilver. It's like, you just watched an entire fucking movie. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Quicksilver was in the last few years. It's like, yeah. What about the rest of the film? Quicksilver. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it is a problem. But I think the real problem, much like we've had with the Evan Almighty things, it's a real bastard to try and fix. Mm-hmm. Looks like you need a real bastard to fix it. <laughs> Him. <laughs> that's your fucking full court shot <laughs> in the mouth but before we get to fixing escape from la we uh we should say hello howdy tip the cap to our sponsors uh who are of course stitcher premium uh which is a fantastic platform that you can use to listen to all of your podcasts uh, all your favorite shows listen to them ad free on Stitch Premium, mm-hmm. um, you can get access to 
Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more, more, more. More, more, more. Um, including... How do you like it? How do you like it? To take us from one Kurt to another oh, this week. Oh, shit. From Kurt Russell to Kurt Busiak, the writer of Marvels, mm. which has been turned into a, an audio drama. And Marvels is, for people who don't know, a fantastic comic book from the 90s, which kind of took the Marvel Universe and went through several time periods of it, giving a kind of like a man-on-the-street perspective yep. of like a, a, a photographer who worked for a newspaper and kind of having him encounter the various like superheroes and figures and stuff. Fantastic comic book series. And they've turned it into this really, really good audio drama, which I think we've possibly mentioned before when Jack talked about uh, the Wolverine series that yes. they've done. Yeah, yeah. And it's done by... Produced by the same studio, I believe. Mm. Exactly. It's done by the same studio. It's a really, really good production um really really worth listening to um and you can get access to it on stitcher premium uh stitch premium 4.99 a month in us dollars or mm. 34.99 a year which is a really good deal yes however for an even better deal you can go to stitcher.com slash premium and sign up using the promo code sequelizers spelt exactly like it's spelt everywhere just look at your listening device. Everywhere that we've posted Everywhere it. that we put it. Not if you bought comments. one of our t-shirts, look down at your, that t-shirt oh, and spell backwards. it that way. Um, Flip the t-shirt upside down. Anyway, you could use that promo code, that sequelizers, for <laughs> one month free. I like so, it. you know. Bargain. Bargain. It, what happens, though, Tim, if your sound device mm-hmm. that you're using Stitcher Premium on has had the Stitcher Premium CD switched out for the the satellite oh. mm. that is used to EMP and destroy all technology, and you accidentally type in, rather than sequelizers, you put mm. 666, the world code, mm. and no destination, Tim. What mm. happens then? Do you the get 10% off, or do you destroy the world? Uh, you take 10% off of the world. Ooh, I'm not gonna lie. That might fix things. The true decimation, <laughs> if that you will. Might yes. fix a lot of things. I'm not. I'm not condoning genocide, because that's kind of like what I'm mm. saying. But ten percent less world, well, people anyway. Yeah, that might fix things. And we leave the planet alone, Matthew. Mm. Um, and it will also play every sequelizers episode compressed into one second worldwide. Oh, oh. that's gonna be a shrill punch in the fucking teeth. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, <laughs> so so try not to mix it up with your doomsday device when yeah. you're entering your promo code. But other than that, go for it because it's a great bargain and uh, you Ready get access to yeah. all this kind of fantastic content. I've just noticed there's a nice bit of symmetry here. Go, what, go on. What uh, uh, George Lucas refers to as rhyming, mm. which he doesn't do very well. Um, <laughs> which, which is the nice I- idea, George. Yeah. Get better at it. <laughs> Which is that we started this series with uh, a beloved film in the form of The Dark Knight, followed up with a arguably beloved film, but for the wrong reasons, Dark Knight Rises, mm. in which uh, a dystopian world, <laughs> arguably separate from our own, but the same at the same time, has an entire island set off and made into an effective prison oh, yeah I see where you're going with this uh, in, in Bane world and we were sitting there the whole time saying how do they eat how does the food work how does the waste disposal work mm. whereas at no point through the escape <laughs> from New York or LA did we ever say 
How do I survive? Because it's clearly shit. Yeah. And everything's piled up everywhere and it's gone to fucking crap. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And you know you're in trouble when Escape from L.A. makes more sense than The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> anyway. Good Lord. Cyclical nature of things. Yeah. Well, if we're comparing films oh. to other films, oh. perhaps it's time to break out the Rotten Tomatoes figures. Whoa. Get that crate out. Let's push our fingers into those gushy mushes. Ugh. I've been saying some into, awful into the paltro goop. Yep. Oh, oh, no, that's worse. Is it? Yes, of course it is. Some rotten worse tomatoes. Than gushy mushes. Some, some rotting fruit versus a celebrity's vagina candle. So, gentlemen. Hello, Tim. I'm going to ask you for figures from three films today. What? Three iconic oh. Kurt Russell performances. What? Oh, I what? thought we were going to a different road here. I thought we were going to bring in Ghosts of Mars. Um, I would like your Rotten Tomatoes scores yep. for Escape from New York, Escape from LA, mm-hmm. and The Computer War Tennis Shoes. Fucking hell's sake. <laughs> Fuck you, Tim. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, all right. Okay. What the shit? Jack, um, we'll, start, we'll start with you. Escape from New York... Uh, I would like to start with an 84%, please. That's a very good guess. Mm. I might have done the same. Mm. I won't do the same. I'm going to go I'm gonna go bold as balls. Oh. I, I'm going to lose. Here we go, But man. I'm going to go for it, because I'm going to go with what's... Mm. The only way I ever win it. is if the other person goes mental. It <laughs> <laughs> so, works for me. I'm going to say 93. Wow. Because <laughs> to me... Mm-mm. Mm. Okay, Jack, how about Escape from L.A.? Um, thirty-seven. Because I like it. It's a prime number. Ninety-three. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I'm I'm gonna say it's gonna be a twenty-one. Ooh, okay. Yeah, mm. yeah. And mm. finally, the computer wore tennis shoes. I have no fucking idea. Let <laughs> me go first, and you can base it off my my thing. No, that'll just be ridiculous. <laughs> Ninety-three. No. <laughs> Um, I have no idea what this film is, what it's about, whether it's poorly or We well referenced received. it in Tron Legacy. I'm aware. Yeah. Still don't know what it is. Why have you, you seen it? You, you play it time. Do you, do you want me to give you a, a no, synopsis? No, 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 no. That's not allowed. That's not allowed. Okay. Kurt Russell. Fucking, I don't know, 452. I don't know. That's just... It's going to be like a three, isn't it? No, sir. No. It's going to be, I think, 71. Oh, interesting. Okay. Or so, I will tell you that Escape from New York, Jack wins. Yeah. 1% off. Oh, it's an 85%. Yes. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's appropriate. That's, yeah. Escape from LA. I think they get it very wrong. Oh, shit. Here we go. Because I believe it was, what was it, 20... No, you, you had I 30, said, I went 37. 37 I and you had 21. 52%. Fuck off. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. That's got to be nostalgia for critics. I'm saying, oh, I remember this from when I was a kid or from when I was much younger in my younger Fucking years. Hell. It's not like these shitty new Brockheimer films mm. and, your, and your things. It's like, no, it's worse. And also, mm. it's that classic Hollywood joking itself off thing. Fucking it's, off. 50s. It's a lot of... Yeah, it's a lot of latter day oh, reviews. Mm. There's very few contemporary from what I can see. Funnily enough. Mm. And 
Yeah. No. Um, although nope. Luke Y. Thompson of the New York Times okay. gives it the review of uh, one out of five, less a sequel than a really crappy remake. <laughs> which, fair. That is yeah. a concise There's that famous quote from John Carpenter that's like, it's so much better than the original. It's got more stuff in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? John, what the fuck are you talking about? Stuff. It's like the first one, but with extra things. Stuff and things. Yep. In a way it is, John. In one way, yes it is. Yeah. In another way, fuck you. It's I imagine the same way you could get kissed, or, bear with me here, you could get punched in the face. <laughs> it's both physical contact. Yeah. One's a bit more intense than as, the other. As, interact with your face from, from people. Yeah, skin on skin. It's mm. more more of it in the other one. Yeah. It's le- less enjoyable area. for some reason. Yeah. Or unless you're into that, more enjoyable. Anyway. Now, Jack, let me tell you of a film <laughs> where Dexter... Can we Kurt, get the others to say Kurt Russell the synopsis now? ...is maybe. an underachieving college student of who course. is involved in an electrical accident with a computer. Oh, this is like 1925. <laughs> <laughs> the mishap leaves him with the com- complete recall of the computer database. Professor Quigley tests Dexter and proclaims yes! him to be gifted. And Dean Higgins is a, the sceptical scholar. I'm changing my eventually... name legally to Jack Quigley. <laughs> <laughs> who is eventually convinced of Dexter's ability. Gangster AJ Arno, played mm. by Joker from Batman 66, Cesar Romero. Wow. Uh, he's a good fucking actor. He was uh, good in uh, I've only ever seen him in... Oh, yes, he's in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Uh, discovers Dexter has a knowledge of his crime syndicate books and tries to silence the student. Dean Collingswood is the jealous rival who this tries to steal amazing. Dexter for his own college in this amusing family comedy from Walt Disney Studios. Is he like a little autistic kid that memorises books and it's Kurt Some Russell? Some fucking Mercury Rising. <laughs> Computer wore tennis shoes? Exactly 50%. Oh, boo. Earns. So I... You won. Nailed you won. It. Nailed it. You nailed it. Two out of one. Across the board. Fucking hell. No, no, no. Three for three. Three for three. He clean it. Well, well, only a couple of percentages well, off for most well, of them. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> I know my Kurt Russell, despite the fact I very specifically earlier in the episode said, I've barely seen any Kurt Russell films. <laughs> Get on it. Except uh, Bird and Wire. That's. <laughs> and Overboard. Oh, Overboard's fine. I don't have time <coughs> for fine. All of us, not all of us, have no, to see all people, the films. Some people love think. Overboard, like really love mm. it. They made a remake of Overboard recently with Anna they Ferris, did. and it was not good. They gender swapped it. It did. Mm. Interesting idea, but also not good film. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm fine, thanks. I'd like to see a Romancing the Stone remake with the oh. gender switch, mm. like a badass heroine Indiana Jones motherfucker, and this shrill idiot man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think who we'd cast. Um, Kevin Hart. Fuck. Alicia Vikander basically doing Lara oh, Croft Ray, again. Yeah, I thought, and I thought that as well. Billy Eichner. Wow. I'd like to see Tess Thompson. Oh. Tess Thompson and. Actually, fuck it. Yeah, Tess Thompson and, and Chris Hemsworth. I know. <laughs> I know that Men in Black International has proved that won't work. <laughs> but Thor Ragnarok proved yeah, it would work. Good. Yeah, I was going to say they got in Ragnarok together. Uh, they have chemistry in Ragnarok. Uh, so, yeah. You just get Taika Waititi to direct it. He might do an interesting Romancing the Stone remake. Well, and well, well. Try and get rid of some of the colonialism. Oh, yeah. He's good at doing that. He's, he is. Yeah, yeah, he is, to yeah, be fair. Yeah. Anyway. So we didn't do great. How are we going to fix this, Tim? With with gusto. some difficulty, but with also gusto. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> difficulty and gusto. Mm. Yes. Cojones. The Tim Matum way. The Tim, the Tim Matum guarantee. 
it'll be difficult, but I'll put a lot of effort in. <laughs> You'll walk away, but barely. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is this having sex with Tim or? Uh, I'm not at liberty to say. Uh, I've, yeah. I've signed an NDA. Yeah, I... <laughs> um, Haven't we all? So yeah, so I um, I decided to go quite radical I'm with super this. radical. You dude. did, I did. Um, I booted John Carpenter mm-hmm. as both director and composer. He did. The composer bit is the bit I'm more worried about. Is the bolder choice in my opinion? I don't think so. In terms of like. Just, just off the bat, like not knowing anything else about this film, mm-hmm. I think like oh, maybe keep, like keep the keep the score. You can still keep the theme, yes, mm. but different composer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. There's a lot to unpack here. There's yes, there's a lot. Strap yourselves in, mm. listeners. So my film <clears throat> is called Escape from Liberty. And Fucking it, love the title. I First do thing, too. I really love do. it. Works really well as the like American satire kind of thing. Yeah, that's Great. good. Off to a good start. Uh, and it comes out in the year. Ready. 2018. Fuck me. <laughs> I'm so surprised by uh, this. Me too. Me too. I'm taking advantage of that, uh, the Kurt Rassonnaissance. <laughs> <laughs> sure, no, I, I, I can see why, and also I can see that Carpenter would be like, oh, how do you not do it with Carpenter? It's like, because Carpenter doesn't do really films right now. It's like, yeah. oh, it makes sense. I will, when, yeah. when, we, when we get to discussing some issues, I almost put this as 2021. <laughs> and had it be a future film. It had never occurred to me that That's you would shout. not only set a film in the future, but sequelize a film to release it in the future. For very specific reasons that, my I, mind. that I will that I will get into I when we talk. What anniversary of like years kind of thing? Nothing like that. But we're, we'll, okay. we'll we'll come to that. Alright. So, um, because John Carpenter will die between now and then. Oh, so yeah. actually, we we might touch on it now because uh, so I. For directing, I have gone for Ben Wheatley. I am fascinated. By Me this too. Me too. Because, okay, dick sucking moment. So I've met Ben Wheatley. Mm-hmm. Um, I've hosted a Q and A with Ben Wheatley. He's a really fucking nice guy. We had some mm-hmm. really nice conversations. Um, he, <laughs> we were saying about how he was working on Free Fire and. Um, he met Martin Scorsese and he was like talking to him and then stopped mm. him sort of out of himself moment and thought, mm. you're Martin Scorsese, you made all these amazing films and you knew Akira Kurosawa, man. Mm. Jesus. And I'm like, in the chair next to him saying, you're Ben Wheatley yeah. <laughs> and you know Martin Scorsese and stuff and I'm, I'm having the exact same moment as, a, mm. as an, an independent filmmaker in the other room. It's, mm. it's, it's the next line as it was. It's mm. just how it is. But he's a really nice guy. Um, and I think his films are fucking fantastic. I mm-hmm. think he's a genuinely good, good, good shout. However, mm-hmm. the more we get into the pitch, the more I'm like, huh. but I'm not saying I, I want to mm-hmm. save this all for after the pitch, the discussion of all this kind of stuff, because mm-hmm. I think the listeners need to know the pitch fair before we get to this shit. Sure. I, I am ready to discuss this direct okay. choice yes. all day long. So, me too, me <laughs> but too. I think, I I think in a preview of it, the, yeah. the listeners yeah. need the context. So I agree. Yeah. Fair I agree. enough. So, composer. Yep. And again, I think definitely we would keep the theme, but oh, we, yeah, would, yeah, yeah. we would do some reimagining of it. Daft Punk. Uh, <laughs> Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Well, classically, Matthew's very much against it. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait, no. The other thing. 
I am I am standing that hard. Yep. Um I just thought like <clears throat> who does Paranoid and Synthy <laughs> extremely well. Yeah. All and, town right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 I get a great shout. And I and I think probably I could imagine Trent Reznor having some affection for the original. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm, it would um, not would not shock me. He's he had an interesting comment when we work in the social network about um he was asked by Fincher to do a rendition of Hall of the Mountain King and said there's not much you can really do with it, but mm. yeah, I'll give it a go. Mm. And what they do with it is is great. And it's yeah. just nice little it's very reminiscent of a very specific style, but mm. yeah, works. And they, I, again, I think it's a very interesting interesting take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Intrigued. Returning cast. Kurt Russell. Thank God Snake Plissken. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He had us on bated breath for a second there. Too. Jason yes. Momoa. What the fuck? <laughs> of course we have. Jason Statham. Kurt Russell um, back as Snake Plissken. We could not not have Kurt Russell. At Snake one point Plissken. it was going to be Jared Butler. I not know. in your in your bit, sorry. Mm. But in, in a, a remake it was going to be Jared Butler in the sort of era of 300 and stuff. And I'm like, mm. I can get it, but also no. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Do not. I, so we're we're in a good a place. thousand times less cool than Kurt Russell. So yeah, that's the only returning cast member. Okay, As, okay. especially if you look at the cast of Escape from New York and look at 2018, <laughs> a lot of them are not alive anymore. No, <laughs> but if you know about 2018, that don't stop people. Not fair, um, but also I don't think there's anything. There's, there's no like we were saying earlier. Like, there's no characters that you would be like, oh, you have gotta bring back Cavi. Well, we mentioned this, didn't we? The right. idea that as much as people go, oh yeah, fucking Levi and Cleef was mm. great in that, but they're not so intrinsically iconic to the story or it. They, most of them die by the fucking end of it anyway. Yeah. So it's like Cavi's the one that sticks out to me. It's mm. like, oh, he's the other character I really kind of remember. Mm. Dead. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Pay's dead. Yep. Stanton. Stanton's still alive. Yeah, Harry mm. Stanton's still alive. Is he? About. I hope. Yeah. yeah. Bobo's alive. Pleasance is dead. Wrong yeah. time. Yeah. Lee Van Cleef is long dead. Mm-hmm. Carry on. We don't listen to dead people. <laughs> okay. Uh, so new cast. Okay. And again, a lot. Are they, are they all alive? They're all alive. Okay. At this point in At time. At this point as in of, time. As of 2018. Barring, barring any incidents between recording and publishing. Um, we do sometimes do that. <laughs> we, yeah. And um, and again, some of these are quite small roles but I would hope that they would have that same kind of presence <laughs> that a lot of the people in Escape from New York have, yeah. where it's it's quite a small role, but you bring in this interesting actor and they do great things with it. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. So, playing the role of Curtis, we have Ron Perlman. Oh, here we go. So, no problem as soon that. as I saw this, I thought, is this another Heath Ledger situation where... Ron Perlman is such a fucking amazing casting idea for that. Just you could slot actual real life Ron Perlman into the <laughs> Escape from Universe and be like, "Yep, that makes sense." Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, like, if I had done this, Ron Perlman would probably be in my film as well. That mm-hmm. kind of, like, I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Love, love a bit of Perlman. Yeah, yeah. It suits the tone and the the world so well. Mm-hmm. Totally, definitely. Uh, Plimpton is played by Cameron Britton. Who people probably best know if you've watched uh, Mindhunters or Umbrella Academy. That's the two I think. Yeah, he plays the. I forget the name of the serial killer in it. John Wayne Gacy or something. No, 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 it's it's shit. It's the 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 
famous guy serial killer they interview a lot. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and the, the huge guy with the mustache. Yes. yes. And if you've seen Umbrella Academy, he plays either Hazel or Cha Cha. I want to say Hazel. It's Hazel. It's yes. Hazel. Big guy. Um, good actor. Good actor. Uh, Yancey is played by Topher Grace. I fucking hate Topher Grace. <laughs> mm. I don't hate Topher Grace. I've just not really seen him in a lot of performances that I like him in. Mm-hmm. It's Good Ed, new- Ed Kemper, by the way. So uh, yes, of course. It's going to bug me. Good news. He's very unlikable in this. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, so that is Topher Grace. To his yeah, strengths. That, that is why I p- p- picked him. I was hey, like, who's Spider a sm- man? Who's a <laughs> smug <laughs> bastard? Oh, oh. Yep. I never wanted to punch Eddie Brock in the face more than fucking <laughs> Topher Grace. Uh, Turbine... Played by a Ben Wheatley frequent collaborator, Michael Smiley. Oh, He's got to be in everything. Go. Yeah, yes, yeah. love a bit of Michael mm-hmm. Smiley. Smiley's fantastic. Uh, I love it when it goes weird and dark and dramatic. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Michael Smiley's really fucking good. Yeah. I remember yeah. trying to introduce him to a field in England and said, oh, it's tyres. Yeah, don't. don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I did when it's I saw It's not tyres from space. It's, it's tires from terrifying space. motherfucker. Fucking hell. That's that's exactly the context I was thinking of. Smile is uh, terrifying. His, a film from England was the first Ben Wheelie film I ever watched. <laughs> I was like, Fuck. Uh, little fact for you, fact fans. The reason his character is called Turbine is because turbine is to jets what tyres are to bike. Yes! That. Tim, <laughs> this is why we're friends. I love a, you. There's a this few names here I've been thinking to myself, I wonder if this is a le- reference to something. And, yep. Okay, yep. good. Yep. Brilliant. Uh, Brother Junk. Is, Here we go. Is played by Mike Mizanin, aka the Miz. Mizanin. Mizanin. Sure. There we go. Okay. What is it with you two and wrestlers? So <laughs> says me. I don't know this wrestler. Who this wrestler? Um, he was in the real world. He's in the reality show, The Real World. Yeah. And then that was his launch into wrestling. That was his it? launch he into the in public that. eye. Yeah. Shit. He has in been. The early 2000s. He has been in a bunch of. Like WWE title matches, Ma- mainly oh. intercontinental title matches. Okay. Uh, I was going to say shitty action films. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that too. Uh, so he has his, his character is that he is an A-list actor. Yeah, that is his wrestling persona. Oh. is that he's an A-lister. That was mm. the sort of eighties WWF where it was kind like of. the kind of like, what's your personality? I got lots of money. It's a like, kind of okay. Yeah. yeah, he has. He now has his own reality show. Actually, his own reality co- show called. Ms. and Mrs., which is him and his <laughs> oh, wife raising oh, their daughter. No. Um, he's he's done some Christmas films where he plays a bounty hunter nope. from a family of bounty hunters. Nope. Uh, I, I like The Miz. I think he... He's he's one of the best promos in wrestling. Yes. Really? He's very yes. charismatic, even though he's often playing this kind of... Dickhead. Smug dickhead, yeah. <laughs> so, see, my, my wrestling he's knowledge is... He's a chicken is, shit heel is, and he's great at it. Is, is, is very concrete until one point where it becomes... Literally a fog of war, and I know yeah. nothing. You just fall off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say, all, I would say, all you need to do is Google a picture of him, and then you'd go, you "Oh, okay, like I, I don't perfectly worry. understand Smug, this." Character. I see, and the description you gave me is is perfect. Yeah. I get it. Uh, then we have uh, Serafina, played by Laverne Cox. Laverne Cox is an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay, uh, so we're we're undoing the gross transphobia and casting an interesting and yes. and fantastic trans actor mm-hmm. here. Yeah. I I approve. I approve. Mm. Coyote Benjamin. Fucking great name. Right. That name's got to be like that's, 50 that's references, the, that's right? That's the best name. <laughs> you're full of references in your things, Tim. Uh, I love it already. Played by Wyatt Russell. No no clues for working out what Coyote, <laughs> what coyote is. Yeah. <laughs> I like Wyatt Russell. 
the, the one that let's face it people most people have seen one thing it's Overlord uh, mm-hmm. which also 2018 I want to say yeah. um, he's decent Oh, also, he he has a cameo in Escape from LA. Yes. Oh, yes, he does. Yeah, we mm. talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's also in a pretty good Black Mirror episode. Yeah. And yeah. the TV show uh, Lodge Forty Nine, which I've heard good oh, things okay. about. Lodge Forty Nine. Mm. He's decent. I mean, what? let's not be. Let's, let's yeah. not. Let's not. He's no Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> but he's good. Who is? Yeah. Dependable. Apart from Jason Statham, of course. What is your problem, Jack? <laughs> Do you want to die? <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, what is Cody but is that a reference to things or is that spoilers uh, I, will, I will explain that okay, later okay on. cool cool, cool. Uh, and then finally um, although there are a couple of uh, cameos that I will mention um, later on uh, Magistrate Tusk great name is played by Bradley Whitford yep oh, Whitford's always yep. good yep always good yep so horrible scumbag corporate bad guy Bradley Whitford <laughs> yeah. sign me up mm. um, just look at his face trust me <laughs> Uh, no so offense. let's let's we've got the casting down. Let's uh, start let's the pitch. Open this can of madness. So the film opens with a text crawl in classic Escape from New York style. Oh yeah, you got to set the scene. In 2024, the, the global energy crisis saw wars erupt across Eastern Europe, the Middle East, and South America. Refugees in their millions fled to the United States, which was already racked by internal conflicts. Something I hadn't really considered is we're already in the future from the previous one, so you've got to continue to be more in the future yeah. for the sequel. Yeah. And the fact that you've done 2018, if you're keeping it in the timeline, <laughs> yeah. it's got to be even further, yeah. and it's going to be mental, because 2035. <laughs> I love that, just saying that line, it's great. America has fractured with vast areas given over to roving gangs who rob and pillage at their leisure. Citizens of the remaining United States toil and save, hoping for a place on one of the Liberty Stations, floating cities where the wealthy live in luxury. But few can afford a ticket, instead of relying on the annual Liberty Lottery that promises an escape for a better life. 2077. No, <laughs> <laughs> 2532. It's Star Trek now. <laughs> it just keeps going. Every paragraph is just 15 yeah, years yeah. late. It's, it's basically boyhood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boyhood snakehood. <laughs> the Cobra's hood. Oh, Brilliant. Oh, oh, it works on so many levels. <laughs> oh, oh, snakehood. Sign okay. me up. Richard Linklater's Snakehood. <laughs> right, we're swapping Ben Wheatley for Richard Linklater. Bear with me here. We're going Linklater. It starts being filmed in 1987. Yep. It finishes being filmed in 2018. And uh, Snake Plissken becomes an actual snake, like in... Uh, he sheds his skin and Wyatt, Wyatt, Russell, yeah. Wyatt Russell crawls out. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay. Anyway... <clears throat> We open on a shot of a wide, dusty plain, empty apart from a two-story, industrial-looking building. Outside, a neon sign that says, Beer and Gas, flickers on and off. A location caption reads, Black Stump, the Confederated Territories of Utavada. As in Utah. And Nevada. Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Vader. We see a large armoured truck approach and pull up outside. A group of three armed men and their leader, Curtis, emerge with a prisoner who is bound and hooded. They enter the bar, which is empty, apart from one elderly customer. 
The men sit at a table and discuss the upcoming Liberty Lottery and their plan to head to Las Vegas to cash in their bounty. One heads to the bar, where the bartender is finishing up a conversation on a phone. He turns to take the order, and we realise it is Snake Pliskin. Oh, shit. Snake Pliskin. He provides the men with beer, and they continue their conversation and then prepare to leave. As they exit, Curtis spots a leather jacket hung by the door and takes it. Snake tells him that it's his jacket, and (laughs) Curtis responds by shooting Snake. The group exits, hooting and hollering, and drives off. So it's a bold choice to kill Snake off in the first minute. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, Matt, (laughs) back inside the bar, we see the corpse of one Snake (laughs) Blitzkin. Credits roll. 2077. (laughs) (laughs) 2345. His great, 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 great grandson shows up. No. Back inside the bar, Snake sits up because he's a badass Mm. and removes the bullet from his Kevlar vest. Getting to his feet, he retrieves a gun and a large knife from behind the bar. He tosses his keys to the elderly customer, telling him to lock up once he's done. The customer asks what Snake's going to do, to which Snake just responds, I'm going to get my jacket back. God damn it, Tim. He has no more lines for the rest of the film. In classic (laughs) Snake Plissken style, he says seven words and that's all you fucking need. (laughs) Yes. Get your fucking jacket back, Snake. Get the jacket, Snake. On on a t-shirt, get the jacket, Snake. (laughs) Get the jacket, Snake. (laughs) That's such a strange sentence. You heard me. Okay. Aboard the Liberty 4 floating city, we meet Plimpton. Um, Plimpton. A mid-level satisfaction node. Tim, you've put this in inverted commas, satisfaction node. It's Explain. It's like a like a kind of uh, customer satisfaction, Ooh. sales assistant, right, takes right, complaints right. from people kind of thing. Takes shit from customer everybody. Customer service kind of, bullshit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The face of, let's face it, underpaid and underappreciated America and let's mm-hmm. say the world in general. Got it. Now I understand. We watch his day as he deals with complaints from the city's wealthy residents and increasingly frustrating demands from his obnoxious superior, Yancey. At the end of his day, we follow him back to his quarters, where it becomes clear Plimpton is unstable and plotting some kind of revenge on the inhabitants of Liberty 4. Riding a motorcycle, Snake arrives in Las Vegas, which has retained some of its traditional glitz despite the chaos that reigns. Snake encounters a group of tourists a street performer and a gambler before making his way to Sars Ace, a casino mentioned by Curtis at his bar. That is Caesar's Palace where a bunch of the letters have fallen off. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, also, at this point, we would have a cameo. One of the people that he would encounter would be Hideo Kojima. Oh, <laughs> wow. wow. Shitting okay. out him. Um, tracking them down, he kills Curtis and his three friends and takes back his jacket. Pullman's gone. Pullman's gone. He dead. The fight is good. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> it's a good... Just write an action scene. They fight, it is good. <laughs> um, after checking out how much their prisoner's bounty is worth, he ends up freeing the man and then heads out to his bike, but he's quickly detained by an unmanned police drone. On Liberty 4, Plimpton visits a hydroponic garden and talks to Turbine, an eccentric biologist who claims to have engineered a virus designed to kill off the remaining surface dwellers. Those on the surface do not have access to the expensive vaccines available to Liberty residents, and so are vulnerable to this superbug. When Turbine says something that reminds Plimpton of an earlier conversation with Yancey, Plimpton kills him. His initial panic gives way to a manic glee, and he takes a sample of the virus with him as he leaves. 
The drone processes Snake's identity and realizes he is wanted for multiple serious crimes, and as such needs to be taken to one of the Liberty Stations for trial. Snake is transported to a waiting area at the top of the Stratosphere Tower, where he meets a number of other criminals awaiting trial, including the brash Brother Junk and the laconic Seraphina. Brother Junk tries to intimidate Snake, but is called off by the gang's leader, Coyote Benjamin. God, these names are the best, Tim. <laughs> so good. Snake sits down next to Coyote and says, Your mother said you were in trouble. Ah. Which I thought might have been a momentary, because I, I, it sounds really stupid. Mm. I read the pitch before I read the cast. Oh, interesting. I just thought he was taking the piss. <laughs> so, what'd you say to me? <laughs> Your mother's in trouble. <laughs> Why is that? I fucked her sideways. <laughs> well, in a way. I mean, yeah. Sorry. Carry on. So, yes, we should clarify. Uh, Coyote Benjamin is the son of Snake Plissken. Yeah, played by the son of Kurt Russell. Those two fuckers stand next to each other. It's very <laughs> you obvious. Can tell. Yeah. <laughs> Snake, Coyote, and the other criminals are transported to Liberty 4, where they are processed and jailed, ready for their trial. Once again, Snake's jacket is taken from him. Bastards. <laughs> Coyote asks his father what he's doing here, and the two argue. Coyote and his crew are considered terrorists by the state, and have been trying to destroy the Liberty stations. Snake tells him trying to change the world is pointless, and he's better off just keeping his head down. Oh, nihilistic Snake again. Classic Snake. Snake is taken for his trial which is being broadcast to the Liberty Stations and the surface. His defence attorney has been replaced with a machine that asks him multiple-choice questions to formulate a defence. I like that bit of world-building. Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool... That's a very, like... (laughs) The system's 2000 AD, fucked up, yeah. Satirical, gross. Mm -hmm. The system is Mm -hmm. wrong. And the jurors seem to be treating the trial as if it's like a reality TV show. Hence hence we have the Miz there, I guess. Because he's (laughs) he's used to reality TV, right? (laughs) Snake is questioned by Magistrate Tusk, the station's security overseer, but remains terse. No shit. He's Snake Snake Pliskin. He is quickly found guilty on all counts for his dozens of outstanding crimes and sentenced to death by being dropped from Liberty 4. In his tiny apartment, Plimpton records a video message detailing his largely incomprehensible manifesto. He reveals that the case he stole from Turbine's lab contains the virus and he threatens to release it into the station's air system having modified it to attack the residents of Liberty 4 rather than the surface dwellers. Meanwhile, as Snake awaits his execution, he and Coyote once again argue. Coyote demands to know why Snake is here, now after years off the grid. Snake replies that he was mostly just trying to get his jacket back. God, he's so cool. (laughs) God, he's cool. The fact that I'm saying that for your script, Tim, is a huge cop. Keep it in your pants, Jack. (laughs) If you can... As Snake is led away to be ejected from the station, Plimpton broadcasts his message, and as panic begins to spread, Snake takes advantage of it to evade his guards and makes his way back to the jail. Coyote and his crew are astonished when Snake shows up again to reclaim his jacket and, with a weary sigh, open up their cells. (laughs) Snake tells Coyote he shouldn't get used to people bailing him out, to which Coyote replies he knows this was a one-time deal. So I'd quite like one of the random cells. I'd quite like the Hideo Kojima line to be here. And he does the thing from Metal Gear 5 where he just gets his glasses back. And what took you so long, Snake? And that's all, that's all you need. A line written by Hideo Kojima. By Hideo Kojima. Oh, dear. Coyote and his crew head to the city's armory and then attempt to storm the station's controls where Magistrate Tusk is attempting to maintain order. Between the crew's attack and Plimpton's threat... 
Chaos is descending upon the station, with rioting and looting breaking out. Snake makes his way through all of this, looking for a way off the station. At one of the shuttle bays, he stumbles across Plimpton, who is beating Yancey to death, ahead of launching the virus and fleeing the station. Snake unceremoniously shoots Plimpton dead and heads towards one of the shuttles, but then glances back towards the virus case that Plimpton was carrying. At the city's hub, Coyote and his crew are pinned down in a firefight with the station's security forces, despite having commandeered a powered mech suit! <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that delivery, that's, uh, and then that, I remembered who was reading it. That's, that's the sound of Matt ejaculating. <laughs> mech suit! <laughs> I'm just reading the script and I've noticed that Kurt Russell's here. There's a Mac set! Okay, so there's a Mac. Which is now being piloted by Serafina. The group is struggling to make any progress and start taking casualties. Suddenly, Snake appears on the station's various view screens and announces that he has triggered Plim- Plimpton's virus bomb and all the residents in Liberty Fall will soon be dead. The already panicked citizens break into full-blown anarchy, fleeing the station on all available shuttles. Amid the chaos, the security forces largely abandon their fight with Coyote's crew, leaving just a few hardened members led by Magistrate Tusk. The tide turns and the crew push through into the station's control centre. Snake, having returned to fight, unites with Coyote and the two head towards Liberty Four's navigational controls. Coyote asks how Snake was sure the virus wouldn't affect them. Snake reveals that he never actually released it and safely stowed the case away so it couldn't be used. Again, classic Snake. Yep, classic Snake Pliskin. On the navigation deck, Snake and Coyote face off against Magistrate Tusk, who is piloting one of the mech suits. Sorry, one of the mech suits! <laughs> mech suits! We need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Your can face it, is mech suit. Can it have a mech suit? Yeah. <laughs> the two evade his attacks and manage to immobilise him, but Snake is heavily wounded. Pinned down by machine gun fire, Coyote attempts to tend to his father's wounds as Snake starts to chuckle he's a badass and that says that in that script (laughs) coyote asks why he's laughing and snake replies i made one more dumb decision i let your mother know we were here at this high-powered machine gun fire bursts through the large observation window and coyote peeks above his cover to see a futuristic jet bearing down on the navigation deck i hope the jet morphs into a mech (laughs) 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 Magistrate Tusk bellows. <laughs> Magistrate Tusk bellows and directs his weapon system at the jet, but a missile bearing an eye patch, smiley face tears into his armor and explodes. Oh, God. oh, that's the best! The jet crash lands into the deck, and Coyote's mother, motherfucking Goldie, Goldie Horn. Horn. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for those who family don't know, fucking reunion, <laughs> Kurt Russell is and or was I don't know if he still is married to Goldie Horn and is in fact White Russell's mother in real life. Emerges from the cockpit, wearily shaking her head at Snake and Coyote. The three reunite and start bickering, with Snake claiming that he had everything under control. Coyote limps away from the developing argument, and the scene dissolves to Las Vegas sometime later. The huge Liberty Force station is docked with the Stratosphere Tower, and we see some of the people Snake encountered earlier being welcomed aboard as the surface dwellers take over the flying city. Coyote, sat in the captain's chair in the rebuilt navigation deck, turns to his parents and asks where they should head next. His mother replies that they've pretty much filled up all the space they had, to which Snake says, Yeah, I had an idea about that. We cut to the navigation deck of the Liberty Six station, bustling with life. 
A crewman approaches the city's administrator and informs him that something huge has appeared on the long-range scanners, almost the size of Liberty 6. The station hails the unknown presence, asking them to identify themselves, as we see Liberty 4 ascend through a cloud bank, now covered in graffiti and flying a skull and crossbones (laughs) flag. A voice crackles back across the airwaves. Call me Snake. Tim. Tim. (laughs) Tim. So... Tim sent us a message uh, <laughs> before we recorded. Not before we recorded, but during the writing stage. And you said, and I remember the words, I have gone buck wild. <laughs> buck wild was the exact phrase. <laughs> and to be fair, every time you think to yourself, what could a, a, a Escape from New York sequel be? The answer so, is anything because what we got was the same film again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also, can be a Russell family reunion. That's what it <laughs> yeah. can be. It's it's a very it's a very weird one because it, put it this way, some audience members listening now might go, "Oh, I'm not sure about that." And it's like, well, yeah, because you don't have anything to go by. There's no, there's no precedent. Mm. There's nothing you can say. Well, what's a good sequel? So there isn't one. We have to literally start from the ground up. And I like the idea that you kind of just. Mad Max the fuck out of it yeah. in a weird way. It's like just just take the the logical conclusion. At the, in Mad Max one, as in the, the original Mad Max, mm. it's just a case of like people are a bit crazy out there. Mm. Why is that? <laughs> oh, there's a gang. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And why why else? They're after petrol. Petrol's quite a thing. <laughs> the gasoline that makes them mad. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, what's unusual about them? It's crime. <laughs> Second film. It's just on We show. live in a dystopian society and I live in a thing that used to be an oil distillery factory. It's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> that gang of kinky bastards is going to take my gasoline. It's like, and I fly a plane. It's like, what the fuck is this? A gyrocopter, sorry. Yes, um, please, gyrocopter. It, 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 it so quickly devolves and then it's, you know, eventually this enormous tidal, uh, sorry, uh, waterfall that it's uh, one ridiculous looking man is holding and it's his freaky harem of people and it's like yeah if you took literally just Mad Max 1 mm. and Fury Road <laughs> with nothing in between that kind of feels where you've gone with a little, little bit yeah. yeah yeah, I can see that so he's like because it does say that it's, it's so it's so over the top so extra but it, it makes sense in mm. a way I mean obviously I have issues and things I'm like I'm there but no, it's yeah, it 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 fits in a very strange way that yep. it shouldn't. Because you can do what the fuck you like, and you've you. I think most importantly, and this is obvious, but you stay true to Snake Plissken. Yeah, I think that's the key yeah. for any Escape from film. And in the Escape from LA's defense, as you said, Matt, he kind of gets off pretty 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 beasley. He gets off. <laughs> no, you're right. He does. He, he gets off pretty yeah. pretty scrape free, as it mm-hmm. were. But, but they like, they do have it easy because they put him through the exact same plot, and so he reacts to thing. everything yeah. in the exact yeah. same way. He, he's a rat in a maze. And he's like, I know this maze. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sit in the front seat. I'll be fine. Yeah, that's how fire works, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's break down some stuff because Jack. Jack and I are going to talk at each other and then slowly turn our, our heated breath at you. Yeah, yeah. The way um, we record listeners is uh, I'm sat next to Tim on one sofa and Matt is sat across the room, like to Tim's right. Across the room. Across the, you <laughs> we are. just yell at each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Tim is effectively between me and Matt. Mm-hmm. So while Matt Sandwiched. and I are having this shouting conversation... Bear in mind, there's a poor little Tim Matum in the middle there being abused. We are literally, Jack and I making constant eye contact with each other, and as we slowly turn <laughs> to our respective left and right, we're looking straight at Tim. You have to have one lazy eye that looks at Matt, and yeah. one that looks yeah. at me. 
So let's talk directors. That's the big mm-hmm. thing for me. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I just want to dive straight in. I love Wheatley. I And this is the worst part. I love Wheatley and I don't know if my alternative suggestions mm-hmm. are in any way better suited mm. based on the project. But I get the feeling Wheatley might... He's definitely right for the character. He's definitely right for a lot of the 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 independently aspects. I think he's a mm. he's a very good choice. Um, but then if you see things like High Rise, for example, which mm. is I think probably the the closest, which is a, yeah. a bit of a sprawling, because mm. I mean Free Fire is his his mo- most mainstream, I guess. Mm. But equally, it's also his most. It's, it's very contained. Do I think yeah, in terms I mean, of like action stuff? I thought Kill List as well was kind of a Kill List is interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the the. Th- some of the thinking that I had behind this is mm. because with the with the Liberty Force Station, I don't want it to feel... I want it to feel like a natural extension of the future that we saw in Escape from New York. Of course. So it's not going to... It's not going to look like a fucking... Like, like, if we think of what a luxury space station would look like now, it would be like walking into an Apple store kind of thing. Oh. Whereas have this... you seen Passengers? Yeah. With uh, <laughs> yes, Jennifer Lawrence and... Exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah big yeah. shopping mall in the sky. It's yeah. not going to look like that. Yeah. The thing I always have is kind of go for the high-rise aesthetic. That's what I figured you were um, going for, yeah. And... and I kind of pictured this film in a lot of ways as being this weird mashup between High Rise and Free Fire. Yeah, that makes in that... terms of like tone and mm. in some ways in terms of look as well. Yeah, and I can completely understand why you would have done that. Mm. And again, I still think he's a, an interesting choice. Um, it, again, it's not necessarily that he's the, a, a bad or wrong choice. Um, I just think because of the scale in question, I think that's I think, I think that's a legitimate. He, it's not that he couldn't do it. Mm. I think he's better suited to other projects, personally. Mm. But I wouldn't say no to a Ben Wheatley escape from film. I yeah. think I think it's a very good shout. I mean, I forget what his next film is, but it's it's what lined up. Yeah, it's something franchisey, I believe. It is. It's is Just it the next uh, Tomb Raider or something like that? I I think it might be, and I'm still. I, oh no, sorry. He's announced to do the next Tomb Raider, I think, and yeah. I'm still like very unsure what that actually means at this stage. Yeah. So, I think it will be interesting because I think it is that kind of thing of like, can he make this transition to a bigger film? This would obviously be the biggest film that he would. I mean, everyone gets done. there. There's always this whole thing of like, oh, you can't do that. It's like, mm. well, why not? Until you do it, there's always a first time. Mm. For yeah. And there's no reason to think he can't physically do it. So mm. I don't understand why it would be impossible. Mm. It's just interesting. The uh, also there'd be no stakes because no one would care. Yeah, <laughs> as much as I hate to say that, it's like mm. what thirty plus years after the original, mm. no one's going to go. But this is a, a sacrosanct property; you can't mm. touch that. It's like no, it's an old yeah. cult classic. Yeah. Yeah. They gave it to Villeneuve to um, uh, to get Blade Runner and stuff like that. It, it makes mm. sense. You, you know. The so the other thought when I talked about having making the film in twenty twenty one was change director. Yeah. And have it be done by Mr. Bong Joon Ho. Oh, interesting! Very interesting. Uh, given that he has already made, for example, Snowpiercer. Yeah, Snowpiercer. Host. Yeah, that make, those two are very, very solid. Because mm. you've got big sprawling action. Yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. And you've got the you've got the the, the class divide of things like with Snowpiercer. That's, mm. Again, it's an interesting choice. Very interesting choice. I had two mm. other suggestions <clears throat> that are back in the old Jack Chambers wheelhouse of. Mm. Oh, they make uh, introspective, interesting sci-fi films. Frank Stallone. Frank. 
<laughs> oh, everybody's favourite rhythm guitarist. <laughs> Frank Everyone knows rhythm guitarists are perverts. Fucking Frank Stillicard. I wasn't expe- well done, Matt. I wasn't expecting that. Ah, that sucker punch that. you. Yeah, you really did. Speaking of sucker punch, Zack Snyder would be. <laughs> Get out. Can, Zach can fuck Snyder's all the way off. Snake oh my god. He has to be hench as fuck. Played by Jason Momoa. Oh. oh, I hate it so much. He'd have loads of unnecessary tattoos and end every sentence with bro. Oh, God. Oh. On the other end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, a, a guy I've mentioned a few times on this show already, yeah. films of his we've mentioned on this show already. Mm. Alex Garland mm. would be a big pick for me. It's the same year as Annihilation, and I don't want to. I don't want to fuck with Annihilation because yeah. Annihilation's great. Yeah, but I think he could do this really well. I think he could nail that tone, the I, the, the serious side, yeah. the satirical side, the political commentary, mm-hmm. the I, amazing sci-fi side of it, and the the mm. flying stations I, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only issue I'd have with Garland is like, you I, leave Garland alone, Tim. I think. This wouldn't be cerebral enough for him. That's what I was going to say. And I was yeah. Yeah. fair I think enough. Yeah, he's yeah. he's like I've done it with dread, and mm. I'm mm. now want to do more. And this it's kind of like with Wheatley. I think mm. he would want to do. And again, we're very much presuming he might just mm. say, "Yeah, fuck, I'd love to do that." Yeah, <laughs> but the idea escape from sign me up. Yeah, <laughs> I think he would want something much more. How can I put it? Yeah, much more introspective, much more mm. um, complex, and much more, I think, whittled down. Mm. Because yeah, this is a very big, lot of mm. big action-y beats, and I think he definitely does big action beats, but they wouldn't be to what I think he'd be going for. I think, again, if, it, if he was following up straight after Dread, mm. yeah, feasibly. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Wheatley and Garland have that in... in not necessarily in sync with each other, but in well, they sim- have that British kind of, 70s sci-fi yeah, kind yeah, of Yeah, very much so. They're kind of, like you said, they mm. whittle things down and make small... Or makes small stories feel big and big f- stories feel small in, yeah, in yeah. positive ways and can make you believe in these characters in these grand epic yeah. scales. Yeah. And then, I mean, using Dreddon as, mm. as an example, you have the entire fucking sprawling Mega City One thing. He sets it in a building. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And you get the whole thing. And it's the high rise kind of thing, similar again. Mm. That is one structure, one building, and mm. you kind of could translate that into the Liberty Falling. But mm. I, d- I totally see what you mean. It could work easily. The other obvious kind of modern sci-fi director choice that is clearly influenced by one of his films. Not I'm saying your influence, but mm. my choice is influenced mm. by one of his sure, films sure. that parallels this. Mm. I don't know, Matt, you had it in your notes as well. Mm. Neil Blomkamp. Mm. Elysium is the obvious comparison there with the you know yeah, the rich, yeah, yeah. rich people yeah. in the sky, the poor surface dwellers and stuff. Um, yeah, I did you'd actually... Have to, you'd have to shove Shalto Copley in there somewhere because you would have to because it's Blomkamp. But... Well, you'd, you'd replace Michael Sp- Smiley with... Uh, um, actually, of course you would. I don't know. I'd say you actually replace uh, Topher Grace with a Shalto Copley oh, being a really obnoxious... dickhead Shalto... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I did actually... Um, I own Elysium but have never got around to watching it. Oh, I love but it. But I, I read through the Wikipedia thing <laughs> because I was like... Oh shit! I know that there's sk- sky cities and class divide in that, and I just need to make sure that I'm you not know, doing the same, the same film. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, which, yeah, I was like, okay, no, there's, you're, there's you're significant pl- plenty far enough from yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the I, I really, really <coughs> like Elysium more than most people, and I don't really know why. Hmm. But um, yeah, that was definitely the thing that kind of sprung to mind when yeah. I first read your pitch. It's like, oh, that's the that's the you know the the obvious it's, Jack, I mean, Jack reference point there for sure, me. Sure, sure. I mean, it's a, it's a common enough like sci-fi trope of like there's a big city in the sky, but like Elysium is definitely like 
one of the notable films that has done it. But and, and recently, especially with the sci-fi very kind good of good as yeah. well, because mm. Blomkamp's a I mean, good you director. Could, you could even use like Bioshock Infinite as an example of that. Yeah, as well. that's got very the, true. The and that's, in the sky and all that like, kind of stuff. That was a kind of because I know in Elysium they're kind of more in space, aren't they? Whereas, it is space. You have to get to the yeah. shuttle. It's, it's not possible. Yeah, like, you'd be like a city floating in. The, yeah, this the this is much more. This is almost like a um, helicarrier from like yeah, the MCU right. yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of vibe yeah. where it's capable of like moving around in atmosphere yeah um, before I get to my potential directors and things I was mm. thinking uh, I'm gonna uh, had, had, have you seen and I don't mean no no fuck it let's do it have you seen either the anime or the animated film or the Robert Rodriguez film Elite Battle Angel no okay I've, I've seen the anime not the film anime's great mm. manga's great the uh, uh, film's not. <laughs> film's Correct. ass. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Um, it's See, a I've, heard of... the, I've heard the film is like, not great, but fine. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. The mm. fact that all the sets are real. Mm. And you're like, wait, you didn't CGI? It's like, no, I, I built the sets. We that's spent all the free. CGI bonnet budget on a giant fucking anime head. <laughs> yeah. For some stupid fucking like, reason. Because she's in the comics. It's like, yeah, she does, but no one else does in this universe. Mm. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Anyway, lots of interesting shit. Most of it's not good. But it's about trying to get into a city in the sky <laughs> via a lottery and stuff. And there's lots of other bits and pieces mm. about she's from there maybe and all those things. It's, mm. but, it's, but it's so unseen and unknowable that mm. you're like, ah. Whereas that's so why I had a little bit of a parallel when I was reading the script. Mm. Like, oh, I wonder if it's like that. Mm. Then realized when you said like flying multiple cities. Mm. Like, oh, no, it's Final Fantasy VIII. It's the Balam Gardens. It's the school. Oh yeah, like Shit. flying schools into other schools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you just go around like, pirates and space. It's like sky pirates. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I'm, I'm. It's so yeah. wacky and ridiculous. I'm like, mm. fuck it. That's cool. Um, you'd think George Miller would be a suggestion for me. <laughs> it's not. I've got some very odd suggestions because bring, a, bring them on. I'm getting my Google's ready for people I've never heard of. <laughs> you are right to do so. <laughs> Uh, because technically, all the things I've said about Wheatley and, Gar- Wheatley and Garland and stuff could easily be said for mm. these oh, obscure British dudes in their forties. Uh, <laughs> no, it's going to be a bunch of like some Americans. Okay, oh, okay. S. Craig Zala, who directed Bone Tomahawk. Oh, I like Bone Tomahawk. Cell Bl- Brawl on Cell Block ninety nine and Dragged Across Concrete. Okay, he's the kind of guy who does. Big sprawling car stuff. He, but he's mm. a bit carpentry in a way. Mm. And I know people like spitting on the floor when I say that. Because he's operating very much under the radar, creating really, really interesting films. He's worked with Kurt Russell um, on Bo <laughs> Tomahawk. And yeah, some, some really interesting, brutal, gritty stuff mm-hmm. that is, when you're watching, you think, oh, it's enjoyable. I'm enjoying it. Wait, this is actually quite big. For the small independent mm. film that's cost X amount of million dollars, it's, mm. it's like, this is actually, I mean, for example, again, Bone Tomahawk is one of his very mm. early films, the one that people sort of get introduced to, and it starts off with just like the um, Patrick Wilson's wife is kidnapped, and he gets the, you know, the sheriff to come along with him, who is um, uh, Kurt Russell, mm. and this other rich twat who's um, Matt, oh, Matthew Fox from yeah. fucking Lost. And it's actually brilliant. Mm. And and some of the best moustaches you've ever seen in your life. You're damn right. <laughs> but then you realise how... Holy shit. Oh, how yeah. broad it is in terms of what it's doing, despite being just a simple things. Mm. And then it comes this really horrifyingly dark horror film with people being... And there's a moment, I won't spoil too much, but there's a moment when Kurt Russell's trying to give the speech to this um, individual, shall we say, this antagonistic person. Mm. And he's like saying, you guys 
goddamn bastards, we're gonna come back here. He's like, you know, giving this whole threatening thing. Mm. It's like, you hang on, friend. It's okay. You a monster, you animal. And then this guy literally gets a bone tomahawk of mm. like a jawbone of a deer and just hacks this man in half like he's preparing a pig. And Kurt Russell's character just goes, because he's never seen anything like that. Mm. And it's just monstrous. So. Again, it's a bit of a tangent there, but mm. the idea is that Zala's vision as a mm. director, I find fascinating. I think mm. he could do something really interesting with that kind of sprawling budget. Mm. And again, because he would work with like the unusual. It's like, oh, what's his next film? Oh, it's based, based in the moment, not based in the prison, but about an ex-con. Mm. Who's the ex-con? Vince Vaughn. Like, <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. It's like, and he's he's brilliant in it. It's 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 yeah, crazy. Mm. So that's is my. That the- Prison Block 99 or whatever? Yeah, Bra- 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 Brawl and Cell Block 99. Brawl and yeah. Cell Block 99. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then my other option is Reed Morano. Ooh, interesting. Now, I haven't seen the rhythm section just mm. yet. I've heard it's not getting great reviews. Mm. I don't give a shit. Mostly for her work on Handmaid's Tale. Mm. Now, I know it's a very contained thing because it's television and stuff. Yeah, but she's jumping enough... from TV to film there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she is jumping from TV to film. She's done it now anyway, mm. but because... She does work on uh, films at the minute. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's not too unusual of a transition, mm. but I think there's enough dystopian, interesting things there. I think, again, it's the same thing with the Garland Weekly thing. Would there be enough there for her to come on board? Mm. But I think it would be interesting to see a Snake Plissken as directed by a woman. Because yeah. as much as Snake yeah. Plissken is, oh, he's so fucking cool. Mm. He's not really the embodiment of toxic masculinity. He's not really toxic masculinity, mm. but he, He's still a shithead. Yeah. And Niall isn't more than... Again, he doesn't influence other men to be shit, it seems. Mm. At least not around him, because he doesn't care about anybody else. And I like the dichotomy you put in your film about... Or the parallel, I should say, between him and his son. Like, he doesn't give a fuck about anything. His Mm. transline is will sort of save the world. Mm. So I think I'd like to see a female perspective on it as a director. Mm. And I think she'd be a very interesting Mm. choice. And she's getting, again, just from the trailers alone for like the rhythm section, I think it's some sort of like... Could be a very interesting erratic pace, a bit like a a a, a Paul Greengrassy kind of sort of thing. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which could give a very interesting, different flavor to a how a how a um an escape from film could mm. look and feel. Yeah, without being because we don't want it to be just a resurgence of eighties tropes and that yeah, kind of yeah, looking yeah, like dated already out the back. Mm. But we don't want it to be too modernized that it's unrecognizable as what this film could be. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a there's a common theme running through all of the the choices that we have of wanting to retain some of that grittiness yes and but also have a kind of uh an ambition and a scope to it yeah we want people of actual quality and also people of taste and caliber Mm. where they're good at what they're doing but also they believe in what they're doing Mm. and they have something to say and Mm. that's a very important thing for us and i think carpenter very much was doing the same sort of thing Mm. um Except not in ninety fucking six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have one request. Go for, go for C- it. Can we change Plimpton's name? Yes. I mean that was that wasn't one of the names where I was like I've put a lot of thought into this. I was like I just I just need it to sound like the kind of person who would. It it's onomatopoetically correct like the yeah. Plimpton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that that fits. Yeah. But it's too close to Plissken. Yes, that is a fair... Snake Plimpton. <laughs> Doesn't quite have the same no. kick-ass ring to it. No, uh, a fair a fair criticism. No, it's, not, it's yeah. more just a request mm-hmm. to, to alter. Call me Plimpton. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That's, 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 oh, that's like so a side, side character in oh, the no office. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that's why that name works for that character, but yeah. Mm. 
True. And it does, it does, it, he does feel a bit, um, like literally just call him like Clempton or something like that. Put a K <laughs> in. Seriously, just put a K in there instead of a P and you, you, you yeah, distance feasible, yourself yeah. from Pliskin enough that it's like, yeah. Clipper. I like him to go Clipper. Uh, yeah. I don't know why. Um, he does remind me a little bit of the, arguably, the antagonist from the Paul Feig Ghostbusters film. Um, Interesting. Whereby yeah, he's, yeah. he's the, just because of how he looks as well. Mm. Um, if he's the sort of. Cameron I mean, Britain's giant fucking six foot six or something. Oh, he's much bigger, he's but he's, yeah, an inflated version. But he's still the 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 representation of uh, unhinged white guy living in cell mm. on his own kind yeah, of. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's reflective of society. That's, that's yeah. a definite thing. Um, Director Todd Phillips presents. <laughs> oh fuck it! <laughs> the tragic story of a white guy whose story has not been told. <laughs> Also, Snake Plissken is in there. Escape from a society, what we live in. <laughs> Escape from a fridge. Escape uh, from the SJWs. All oh, right, yeah. He's always finally get back to sound the good jokes, fuck right, everyone? You. Hashtag fuck you, fuck Todd Phillips. Phillips. A similar thing in a weird way uh, as a character, but mm. much more laughable, was Jamie Foxx in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, God. With, with the idea of like this, this guy who... Oh, I'm so underappreciated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um... It's not like and it's not a criticism of the mm. your script because I think he fits the and I like mm. he gets an unceremonious death rather than, you know, upgraded to Chris Hemsworth's body yeah. and does a dance off in, in as in Ghostbusters. Um but um yeah, it's 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 the frustration without seeing it, it's hard to gauge, but I think it could definitely yeah. work. And mm. I I kind of wanted to keep the kind of um Snake works a little bit kind of like a Mad Max figure in that he's, even though the these films are about him. Oh no, he's just a passenger. He's kind of yeah, he's kind of just wandering around mm-hmm. in this world. Well, yes. we, we um, joke about how many few how few lines mm, he has. In yeah, these. it's literally like twenty four or something like that in the first one. Yeah, mm. and Tom Hardy's Max is probably equivalent, if not fewer. Yeah. <laughs> More in Fury Road, just. Yeah, there, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Pliskin is just great for like, go away, don't bother me, kid, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just like three or four words at a time, and that's yeah. He works in that kind of like other interesting stories and characters kind of weave mm. in this mm. nomadic lifestyle that he leads, just tra- traveling around and yeah. being a fucking cool nihilist dude. <laughs> um, and so I kind of I I kind of wanted like all three of the kind of villainous characters who he deals with kind of die a little bit unceremoniously mm, yeah and they you specifically mentioned that about yeah Benton. so He's like, like yes. unceremoniously like, shoots him <laughs> yeah so you've got like Kurt, uh, ron perlman as curtis who you think like oh he stole his jacket it's gonna be like the whole oh, thing fuck ron perlman yeah. he's gonna be great he's the yeah, bad guy throughout. and then it's like yeah no he tracks him down and he just shoots him and just cool like, fight like, but then it's good, over good fight then it's over <laughs> yeah. and then like plimpton who is yeah this kind of figure who is like he feels the most antagonistic of the whole yeah thing. and next and, to us probably yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and, true yeah. and has he's uh, kind of like you know this like aha for finally they will all respect me and it's like mm. yeah like when he's doing his manifesto it's like wait what is it exactly that you want and i also want mm. there to be some ambiguity over whether he even actually like successfully engineered this virus or not oh yeah okay. like yeah. the idea of like yes now i've made it so it's gonna target all of you it's like Really? Because you're just like a administrator guy. Like, yeah. Um, He's taken it from the trained biologist and then just done it himself. Yeah. Yep. Um, in his bedroom. And so, yeah, he's very much just like, no, you're not. You you are not bred for like 
being a bioterrorist or whatever you're yes you yeah. know you, you don't actually have it in you you know you're when you encounter someone like snake he's just gonna shoot you yes um and then tusk is kind of he's a little bit more obviously of a threat because we put him in a fucking mech suit um yeah mech suit. uh and i love the idea of having fucking josh lyman from the west wing piloting a mech suit <laughs> yeah. um but equally like i kind of want his beef to be more with coyote because he's like no, you're the one who's actually tried to tear it down. I was going to say, yeah, he's the more active player in this, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Um, and also, like, it's going to be very much like a... This guy sits behind a desk most of the time, and it's like, it's only when shit gets real, he's like, I guess I could pilot one of these things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, kind of dies. I mean, it's a pretty good death. Oh, it's a good death, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but also, like... But it doesn't feel like the whole... by Goldie Horn yeah. from a future jet. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like... This is it. This is the the climax we've been waiting for. It's not. It's not super personal. No, it's not like no. you are. Oh, no, you're the one I've been trying to get all this time. It's like mm. no, you're just like another person who's trying to kill me, so I'm gonna yeah. kill you. You're yeah, just yeah. another motherfucker in my way. Yeah, yeah. I have one last question. Yes. Um, it's it's a circumstance, unfortunately, and you can't really get around it in the plot. Not easily, anyway. So it's the idea. Maybe it's more how it's sold at the start. Mm. Um, initially I had a problem with the whole like uh, Snake having a family mm-hmm. I was like I don't know Snake doesn't seem to care about anyone or anything mm. he doesn't seem to be driven like a libido either so I don't think mm. he'd like I don't know but then I'm fine with it fuck it it works mm. the criminals sorry the police arrest the criminals mm-hmm. and they bring them to Liberty for for trial but the Liberty is the place that they're getting the lottery ticket to go to like it's a, some sort of not paradise, but better mm. place, certainly. So I suppose it's a bit like the idea that all the law is up there and therefore they try trial them there? Mm. Or is it what's the... A what's little the... bit like that, but also, like, it's kind of... Um, it's only if your crimes are bad enough that you get taken up there and you have a big showy trial. To remind people what... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay so yeah. it's it's more like you're going to be made an example of, we're going to take you up there. Right. I do yeah, like yeah. that to just push them off the side. Yeah. yeah. It's the most... It's the most efficient use of an execution and mm. also cheap and cost effective. Like, how do we, like, oh, I just push him. Yeah. And many wrestling fans want to see the Miz pushed off a giant floating <laughs> thing to his death. Uh, well, yeah. And it's, and it's also, it just shows how little they care about the surface now. They're just like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, we're just like fucking push it's him our off. disposal, you know, yeah. our just waste paper bin. Like, you mean like the sea? <laughs> yeah. Mm. No, I like it, Tim. Yeah. I like it. It's Me very, too. I, I, Me too. Solid. When I When I was saying, uh, I was going to go Buck Wild. There was a period where I was like, "Here we go. How can I have this film end up with Kurt Russell riding a dinosaur?" Oh, um, wow! Which we didn't quite get. I that thought point. you were going to say, "How do we? How does it go to space?" But obviously, you got escaped from <laughs> Mars already. Mm. Dinosaur riding. Mm. Yeah. Dino Riders the movie. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm glad you guys liked yeah, it uh, I, I look like, forward to hearing what everyone's thoughts are on classically this. it's better than escape from la mm-hmm. so job done yep i like it exactly mm-hmm. so that just leaves us to say a big thank you to the fans this is our season finale it yes is um but unlike previous seasons you will not have to wait long for us to be back because we'll be back next week next fucking week with some with some interseason content yep uh for about six weeks or so I think five five weeks, um, and then and then we'll be straight into season six. It's crazy. We We're have getting... this planned out. Yeah, 
We're getting shit done this year. Listeners. Yeah. Mm. We, we did tell real. you. It's weekly. Mm. Even between seasons, it's weekly. Yeah. We're uh, putting the fucking effort in. This train don't stop. <laughs> um, but we should say that, you know, now is a perfect time if you have thoughts, questions, um, to send them in mm. via social media. We are at Sequelizers on Twitter. Uh, we're also that on Instagram. Mm. We are Facebook.com slash sequelizers mm. uh, we appreciate all your questions and we will probably be doing some kind of listener feedback mm. session you can also email us mm. sequelizers at gmail.com uh, yeah so we would appreciate all your thoughts and now is the perfect time to tell us what you think about this season the new format the mm-hmm. weekly format let us know discord as well yes we, we have mentioned our... this so we keep Forgetting to mention it, but yeah. we're on Discord, and if you want like, a direct chat with us, sometimes mm. we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and other fellow Sequelizer fans mm-hmm. and things discuss our pitch and stuff. Yeah, another place the, to go. The link to that is on our Patreon page. Patreon page. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, do do people need to be Patreon members? No, they do not. It's no. public. It's post. a public Discord, so yeah, we'll probably chuck the link up elsewhere as well, so yep. people can find yep. it. Um, yeah, we just chat about Everything. the show, films, and even more. Mm. Anime, comics, video games, what films you've been watching, what books you've been reading, just chatting to us. We haven't done any voice chat yet, but that's an option apparently. Yeah, so, I saw that. I yeah, was just saying, yeah. Yeah. Discord's interesting and cool and sure. new to me and Matt, so it's uh, yeah. yeah. Tim's it's interesting. Already. Tim's a veteran. Of course, if you want to support the show in a different way, because there's always liking, sharing, reviewing, um, that's genuinely really helpful for us. But if you have some of that spare dollar dollar, not uh, not greenbacks, of course, bluebacks. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten about that. Fucking hell. Blue dollars. Um, then, yeah, please feel free to consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash sequelizers. Lots of interesting perks, lots of things. Our fucking merchandise is here. Um, so we have t-shirts and things, and that gives you a discount at certain tiers. We're all wearing the t-shirt right now we as we record. We are right now. Because we're masturbatory podcasters. <laughs> I, I am going to push for a t-shirt that is involves mechs. <laughs> I have no idea how or why. We'll speak, to, we'll speak to John. We'll be fine. Yeah. It's like our version of Portlandia's put a bird on it. It's yeah. Yeah. Just put a mech stick in a, it. Stick a mech in it. Could it benefit from a mech <laughs> what schindler's list I what mean, what, yes. do, what doesn't benefit from a mech girl in a little red coat climbs into a big mech <laughs> yeah Fuck and then hell. you do the line from uh, inglorious bastards this is the face <laughs> of jewish vengeance yeah schindler's mech yeah <laughs> so if you'd like to support us on patreon you are more than welcome to it. it'd be very very much appreciated there are lots of interesting tiers and things you can get that way crazy outtakes really painful Stuff that will probably be read out in court one day uh, in a trial against us. Yeah, a lot potentially of, libelous. Yeah, a lot of defamatory comments about lots of individuals, um, especially Matt's doctor. Mostly. So, so become a patron and find out if you're one of the people that we've libeled. <laughs> have we defamed you? Tune in and find out. Yeah, ten dollars um, or more. But we also have lots of other regular features. We talk about like we did again did the Oscars. We also did what we've been watching recently, film wise. It's all lots of interesting, cool stuff that's there. Should you want more stuff? I mean, you get weekly content for free, always for free. But if you want more stuff, we got your back. We got more stuff for you in the back of Patreon. And Matt, if people want more stuff from you personally, 
I'm giving you everything I've got. <laughs> really? I've cut my veins open, man. But you do I'll like, bled you, out you, on you, film and you, you mentioned audio. making films. Uh, you talked about reviewing films. Fine. Talked about just just being a dude on the social medias and whatnot. <laughs> a person on the earth today. Jack, you're of course completely correct. I am, as you, always. You can find me um, on the internet, um, various places. Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You could go to the redrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews. You could alternatively go to cheesemint.com to see the films and things I make. The web series are done, so baby kill time. Very, very fun, very silly. Starring me and Tim. Starring you and Tim. And, my others. and other people. Yeah, but well, most we're doing a lot of filming for that this year. We're filming... No pressure. There, there are like 26 episodes out currently. I'm filming around about 30 in a couple of months. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. But anyway... So if you'd like to watch Matt's slow, nervous breakdown brought on by lack of sleep, yeah. follow him on Twitter. Yeah, you could see it in real fucking time. You fucking bastards. Jesus. Uh, Tim. Yeah. If you want some real time, how can people get that from you? If I'm looking for a real good time, I follow Jack Chambers on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, you oh! do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Very well done. Uh, but if people are looking for a real Tim time. Timmy time a is real a good thing. Tim. A real good Tim. Yeah. You've got one right here. Uh, Tim, Tim, the character from Son of the Mask, right, guys? Timothy Chalamet. Oh, that's no. a good Tim. He's a better Tim than I. No, he's not. Um, best Tim. <laughs> is our boy Tim. Our boy Tim's the best Tim. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter. At trivia underscore lad, um, where I will generally, if I'm doing anything interesting, talk about it. Um, and uh, yeah, otherwise, just just kind of say nonsense and uh, retweet memes and things like that. That's all the internet's for. Um, and yeah, come come join us on the Discord because we'll be I'll be hanging out there as well. So mm. anyway, um, Jack. Hello, Tim. Our mighty commander. Oh. Mighty oh. Commander. Where can, I'm where a can, G.I. Joe villain all of a sudden. Where can I... You are my granddaughter, Commander <laughs> Palpatine. Oh, fuck off. Where can <laughs> our... I am all the podcast hosts. <laughs> joyful I, listeners. Fuck you up. <laughs> where can our joyful listeners follow you on the socials? JLW Chambers. It's the place to go, the place to be. If you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram... That's the place to be. That's the place to go. Hang out with all the cool kids. Talk about comics and wrestling and video games. All the cool stuff that people like these days. You know, I'm 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 cool, right, guys? I mean, I did cool. I'm, cool I'm the I'm the youngest member of C class. That makes me cool, right, guys? <laughs> okay, okay. On a comparative scale, I did say you were cool earlier, uh, off air. We know it. Recording is <laughs> worse. But you're not Snake Plissken cool because no, 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 none of us. Are Snake I'm not. Plissken. I'm not claiming to be Snake Plissken. Nobody is. But you're damn cool, sir. At JLW Plissken. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I wish that is also the rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Just adopt is. a name that you feel is fitting for you. <laughs> What's your name, Jack? Jack what? Plissken. <laughs> Call me Snake. <laughs> I look over and see Kurt. Russell and Goldie Horn is like force ghosts. I'm like, and they're so angry. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? What are you doing? That's not your fucking name. Plissken. <laughs> As you see it, at that point, John Carpenter goes to Piers, just shakes his head slowly, plays his own synth. It's ghost synth. <laughs> Little ghost synth. Yep. Anyway, that's the end of season five. Yeah. Bye-bye. Please stay Bye-bye. tuned because there will be a competition. Bye-bye. Unlike Hello. any held before, except it's exactly the <laughs> Sim- same as last Sim- time, but with more stuff, one. but better. <laughs> yes. Yep. 
like the other one, but with good things as well. Keep keep your eye on the old sequelizers channels on the social media. Yep. And uh, yeah, we hope you enjoy the interseason content. Where... It's, a, it's a big thing for us because we finished another season, which is always a huge thing for us. And mm. usually our immediate reaction is we're going to slip into a four month <laughs> period <laughs> of solace <laughs> and just relax. But nope. you guys are like, oh, wow, end of an era, another season down. Oh, they're back next week. But we will be recording in our pajamas because we're just like a little bit more just kind of chilled out and relaxed. Uh, behind the scenes? Matt don't wear none, so Matt's going to be bollock naked. Matt's, it's going to be very well, You wear your slippers anyway. You wear your slippers I wear slippers, slippers right and I wear the sequelizers t-shirt and that that's, is it. Um, I mean, as long as it's a, just that's, a small. That's going to be Winnie the Poohing it. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt's going to stick to his couch.